Hello, and welcome to the Codex Prime Podcast. We are on episode 106, and it is Tuesday, January 23, 2018. I am your host, Victor Romoyo, and with me as always is my co-host and social media chair, Carl Bird. What's going on, y'all? Yes, indeed. We are back, man. It is so good to be back. Our third episode of the new year, 2018. And speaking of the new year, we're going to be talking a little bit about last year, um, our final uh, wrap-up of last year, talking about our worst of uh, 2017, things that we didn't like. So uh, that should be pretty cool. So like things like whether it's like bad movies uh, you bad already know we, yeah, you already we already know you got your list. I'm stuttering like a mother. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> bad movies. What's 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 uh, bad in the world of wrestling, pop culture in general, nerd culture. You know, we'll we'll throw it out there. Um, but we do have a jam packed docket. We have a lot to get into. Uh, specifically, I got a couple of film reviews on tap. Carl's got whatever's going on in his life. Uh. <laughs> We got a uh, Raw twenty five, the Oscar nominations, which have been announced. And when, when were they announced? Like uh, this morning. Yeah. You sure? Because I kind of heard like a couple of days ago about Mary J. Blige being um, nominated. Oh no! Spoiler alert! Oh no! All the Oscars were. Yep. Hey, what's up, Furman? Yeah, <laughs> you already knew that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Furman and Kyle, for joining us on the chat. And uh, thank you, Monet, for joining on the chat. Yes, thank you, Monet. Yes. So, yeah, we. Uh, yes, Furman. Only a few. Up? Only three days. Only what? Three days. Four days away. Yes, four, four days, days away from one of the most probably fighting game of the year. Is it War Gods 2018? No. Uh, is it Mortal Kombat XXL? No. Is it Street Fighter Six and a Half? I don't know. You, you, would, you might as well. You, I wouldn't even call it a full six if they do the same <laughs> shit that they did for five. Oh, yeah. Street Fighter Six. We, we're we're going to release a title screen. Six ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's two two fighters on a title screen. Go nuts for 50 bucks. Um, oh, God. That's so bad. <laughs> but yes, um, apparently um, in four days, you guys will have your little uh, cartoon fighting game. What's it called? You know what it's called. Here, here you go, being. <laughs> I swear, you are like the people in the in the old school Palana all fruit commercials. Oh come on now! Can you please pass the Palana all fruit. Pass the all Palana all fruit. Will you please pass the jelly? <laughs> <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> so yes, uh, the fighting game in question is DB Dra- yes. Dragon Ball Vi- Fighter Z. Yes, I oh, thought my pre orders ready. I thought it was Fighters. I call it Fighter Z. It could probably be. It can be either or. Okay. Well, so, well, actually, I for one am glad that this game is coming out because now that it's coming out, Furman and the rest of y'all, rest of the fellas will st- finally stop inundating our group chats with, hey, you heard about this new fighting game coming out? Well, actually, the Freddy Cup is um, this Saturday. Oh, yes. And you are, invi- you are invited. Thank you, Freddy. And. I- I'm expecting you to go. Oh, I will be there. I will right. be there for sure. In fact, I've been getting to I've been getting to the fighting game groove. You know what? Days. Yeah, I've been wanting to ask you about that. Yeah, tell tell us about that. Yeah, um, I've been playing uh, Injustice Two. I've been uh, playing. I'm halfway through the story mode of that game. It's not bad. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. And it actually made a Supergirl um, interesting character. 
Yeah. Yeah, more interesting than I thought she was. More interesting than the CW Network? Um, I haven't seen the CW Supergirl. Heard it, heard it's a mix, mixed bag. Kind of depends on... Yeah. Yeah, kind of depends on what you're looking for, I suppose. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really liking Injustice 2. It's actually even better than the first game. Um, I will definitely finish the, the story mode. Um, I've also been playing more of Tekken 7, which I've had a lot of, a lot of fun with. And I cannot wait for Freddy Cup this Saturday. I, um, I know DB's Dragon Ball Fighter Z will be on the main course, as well as some other fighting games on the menu, which I can't wait to get into as well. We yeah, it's just whatever it's whatever fighting games that we can bring, and there's always one retro, and I'm actually covering the retros. Oh, okay. This, at this time around. All right. So uh, what's the uh, what's the retro pick or picks? The first three Mortal Kombat. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. You know, um, of of the first three Mortal Kombat games, which one was your favorite? Two. Two? I agree. Yeah. Um, Two. Three was definitely a game changer because it's like, it, I I mentioned this on the podcast before. It was like the first two were like very, very slow. It was mm. like if you spilled, like I, I mentioned, it's like if you spilled Kool-Aid or your precious Polana all fruit <laughs> on mm. a controller. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, um... But once three came out, that's when you had the run feature, and that's when the combos came into play. Yeah, that's when like it just Mortal Kombat became what we know Mortal Kombat as today. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember I actually had a Mortal Kombat three for the Super Nintendo. Yeah, and and um, I don't think I had three. Yeah. For Sega. Hmm. Yeah, three three was fine. I mean, I agree that part two is like the better of the three games, and part one, when you look back at it, is kind of like a good proof of concept. It is. Yeah. It is, and I still remember the blood code. Oh yeah, is A B A C A B B. That's right. Yeah. Did, did Nintendo sixty four have a have uh, a blood code? Oh, you mean the Super Nintendo? Yeah, Super. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> not not for the first Mortal Kombat. The first Mortal Kombat was just like spit and sweat. Oh okay. Yeah, and then but, part- then, but they have fatalities. So. They had fatalities, but it was like totally new, pointless and neutered. But like Mortal Kombat Two, that's when they got the uh, M rating. So that get Mortal Kombat. It's because of Mortal Kombat that we have. Mm. Oh, video Ky- game ratings now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, Kyle is asking the question: What is the Freddy Cup? Freddy Cup is a tur- is a uh, tournament that's held four times a year, once every quarter, and it's a fighting game tournament where um, we just. We Freddy provides a one game that's um, for the tournament itself. It's a double in- elimination tournament, and then we also have other fighting games that you can play on the side. And it is always like one retro. So um, I believe like last time for the Super NES Classic came out, so the retro was um, uh, Super Street Fighter Two Turbo. Yep. And uh, also the uh, ri- it was like original. Fi- it was a Ninja Turtles fighting game. Uh, tournament fighters. Tournament fighters, yeah. Yep. So that was that was that was it. Before that, we played um, at one. Before that, we played rival schools for one, and so was it Soul Caliber. I want to say I want to say yes. Another one was uh, um, Def Jam Fight for New York, mm-hmm. which was such. Oh my god, I would love yeah. to see that. Even though it's still what PlayStation, it was a PlayStation Two game. I would still love to see that get like a HD remake. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that and uh, Def Jam uh, Vendetta. Yeah, Vendetta was more of a pure wrestling game. It was. Yeah. It was. And even then, Vendetta was, like, amazing. It was, yeah. Because, like, yo, rap is wrestling? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think they were. I like to think they were inspired by that Method Man Red Man video, "Tear the Roof Off." I want to say so too. That was a fun. <laughs> that was a fun video. Yeah, man. But but yeah, um, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to it. All the fighting, the fighting game extravaganza known as the Freddy Cup. Will we? will give a detailed report, perhaps in the next next week's episode. Man, it's good. I don't know if you can. I hope you can handle it because the trash talk is serious. Oh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I just, okay. I mean, shit. I, I talk mad shit all the time. You do. Yeah, on this podcast. Speaking of, let's talk about. Nah, that's nah, not. Let's not talk about football. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but anyway, Carl. No, but see, it's but, gonna start. Nah, it's gonna come up. No, it's not. Well, 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 here's the thing. We won't acknowledge it. We ignore it, and it'll go, it'll go away. Okay. Yeah. So with all that, uh, Carl, what have you been up to this past week? I finally got my Super NES Classic. It's right there, man. Right there. <laughs> so um, um, my goal, is, my goal is to get all of the um, all those uh classic novelty um consoles. Mm-hmm. So I got my NES Classic. I got the SNES Classic now, and I got the Sega Flashback. Nice. I'm going to get the Atari just for the hell of it. Okay. I'll probably play the Atari like twice, and that'll be it. <laughs> Let it collect dust? <laughs> uh, no, just for the sake of, I'm just going to have it just for the sake of having it. Okay. So nice um, I dab- I didn't get really I didn't really get a chance to um, play it as much as I wanted to because I live with a two-year-old, and <laughs> the TV pretty much consists of Moana. Mm-hmm. Finding Dory, mm-hmm. still don't see why you cried. Um, Lilo and Stitch, mm. and uh, lately Tiny Toon Adventures. All right, okay. So there's a little bit of nostalgia for me. So all right, nineties are still alive. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I had to watch the Baby Plucky skits if you remember. Oh, I do. Yeah, the water go down the hole, <laughs> elevator go down the hole stuff. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, man, that was so funny. Now I don't need to watch it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I dabbled on to of course. So um I managed to dabble on to Street obviously Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Okay. The hyper hyper edition. And I still once again find that Sagat was harder than M Bison. Yeah, he was a hard boss. Yeah. But um, Sagat wasn't even the boss. Yeah, he was like no, he was, he was like, second. He was like he was one of like the four fine the final four you had to beat. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was Ve- yeah Vega, Barog, Sagat, and then M Bison. Yeah, but it just seemed like Sagat was harder. Yeah, he was like because I think he had like the the Tiger it, Fireball and the Reach. Yeah, that's what get that's what it was. It was that Reach. Yeah, like the second you jump at a Tiger uppercut. Mm-hmm. And then, but you eventually, you eventually after like a good amount of tries. Yeah. You do, you get you eventually beat him, mm-hmm. and then what? And Bison probably but two tries maybe. Yeah, tops. I'd say so. I remember. No, that. So then I also, um, of course, if you're gonna play Super Nintendo, you have to you have to play Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. Okay. Super yeah. Mario so World. which was the first game that featured Yoshi. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's and true. I'm just like, dun, 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 next game. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was it for me. And then um, I went into Super Metroid. Ah, that's a classic. Great game it was hard as fuck though. I was like. For me, for me at least, maybe because I actually never really played Super Metroid. Oh wow! Okay. Well, because I went from regular Nintendo to Sega, mm-hmm. so like I never really, and you know, I have friends who had Super Nintendo, and I would go over their houses to play them, but it was always like playing fighting games and stuff. Yeah. But um, so and none of them had Super Metroid. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So when I finally had a chance to play it, I'm like, damn. I mean, the game was cool, mm-hmm. but it's like, all right, you know, it just it was just so hard that I had to go on YouTube and get a walkthrough. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. I know with a uh, Super Metroid, I remember there was a there were a couple of spots where like once I beat a uh, like a certain boss. Like I would, I would be totally stuck on what to do. Like I would like backtrack several times in like different areas mm-hmm. and not know where to go. So I'd have to consult a walkthrough. Yeah, but each game, each game has a uh, has a save feature too. Oh, that's good. So you don't have to start all over all the time. Mm. And and then if I'm on the go and if I'm under some Wi-Fi, I'm still playing Streets of Rage One on my phone. Mm-hmm. It, it passes so much time. Oh, I bet it does. It really does. Like if you're in the supermarket and stuff and at the wrong time of the day, mm-hmm. screw it. <laughs> Just play it. <laughs> nice. So, so that's that. Um, so I got into some comic book reading um, this past week with X Men: The Return of Dark Phoenix. Okay. So um, it features just a whole. It, what happens is like a whole all of them X Men just new and old are all together, and then like some some um strange um happenings some strange happenings oh my goodness <laughs> some stranger things started happening okay in New York where it's like this little girl was just like it looked like she was dead like she was just bleeding, mm-hmm. and then next thing you know like she has like no wounds okay, and you know two kids find her. Mm-hmm. They try to help her, and then they end up they end up like catching. It's not it's not the phoenix. It's a, I guess a part of a feature of the, like a powerful feature of the phoenix. Mm-hmm. And then they um the same thing ends up happening to them. Yeah. So then by the time to get the X Men get there, which is led by which are led by Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, we just started. We just we got a reading, so we want to check this out. They talk, they talk about the eighties, like Carl does about the nineties. Oh. Uh, wait, we have Vic stop hating on Ready Player One. It's a great book where the eighties are back again. So yes, they will be talking about it a lot. Oh yeah, Furman just is uh, affirming his love for Ready Player One, the the book. Yeah. Well, I'll give the movie a chance. Yeah. I still say read the book. Yeah. Just read it. Do you have a copy of the book? I do. No, just read it chapter a day. All right. Which is what I try to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. but anyways, back to it. So um Yeah, yeah so the try so the X Men come together and try to figure out they split off into three different parts of the world mm-hmm. where they were picking up these readings and they find themselves like fighting like holograms of their past. Hmm. So like the comic features Old Man Logan, mm-hmm. but yeah, he's fighting Young Wolverine. Okay. Okay. The the comic features, yeah, Magneto, mm-hmm. but yeah, Magneto finds Jean Grey in New Mexico where she's just like working a dead regular job, mm-hmm. and Magneto like finds her. He's mm-hmm. talking to her, so it's like Magneto's talking like she's talking to Jean Grey, but yet he's fighting the X Men. Okay. Okay, and um, and so there is several other enemies, but there's still. But where I'm at, it's a five part series. Where I'm at, they're still trying to figure out what's going on, and and a huge phoenix just appears in the sky. Okay, and Jean Grey is also like hallucinating, like, oh my god, these, like, what's going on? You know, she's having a hallucination. She's starting to feel things, but she's still like 
un- she still really doesn't know what's going on. They go to Jean Grey's grave and they find out it's empty and we're like, okay. And Beast is like, okay, something's up. Yeah. And then that's where I left off. Okay. So mm. that's one. Yeah. So one through three. There's two more left. Mm. Looking to get that and looking to get those. Cool. All right. And um, next is Raw 25, but we're going to discuss that together. So I'm going to go on to what the hell you've been up to. Yeah. Um, Peace on Furman. Yep. Uh, what I've been what I've been up to? Well, I've um, I've watched a couple of very interesting films uh, this past weekend, um, and I've also but before I get into that, I wanted to touch on real quick. Uh, I did catch the pilot episode last Tuesday of Black Lightning okay. on the CW. Uh, that that show uh, it stars Cress Williams, Scooter. Yep, Scooter from Living Single as Jefferson Pierce, aka Black Lightning. Uh, China Ann McLean as Jennifer Pierce, his younger daughter, and Nafessa Williams as Anissa, Anissa Pierce, who's his older daughter, who has superpowers of her own. Uh, Christine Adams. Wait, who's the older? Who's the older? Oh, uh, Anissa Pierce. Oh, okay. Uh, she goes by the name of Thunder, like right. in, the, in the comics. Um, let's see, Marvin Marvin Jones the third, who plays Tobias, the albino crime boss. Okay. Uh, and also uh, William Catlett, who plays a uh, low-level crime boss who goes by the intimidating name of Lala. Lala. Yeah. Growing up in the hood, like some of the most like Stanley Tookie Williams. Tookie? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's big, scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. Well, he was. Yeah. True. He was the founder of the Crips, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Black Lightning. It's actually it's a it's a show that has uh, tons of potential. I liked the the pilot episode. Um, Cress Williams he stars as the main character who's a uh, retired who like a decade ago retired his uh, superhero persona Black Lightning to focus on raising his family. Um, after he finds out that after he realizes that being Black Lightning has had a adverse effect on his family life. He every every night he comes home bloodied, beaten, scarred, like just laying in a bathtub full of water, which quickly turns red from his wounds. And his wife just can't take that anymore. So she compels him to to hang up the, the outfit, the suit, and just focus on raising their family. So, uh, so he's been uh, working as a uh, high school principal, you know, just uh, trying to do the right thing, just living, living his life. But he's been... Um, but in the in this show in this episode, he's been uh, compelled to return as Black Black Lightning once this uh, this this gang called the One Hundred or the One Hundred uh, they they start um, they start um, ratcheting ratcheting up all the crime and corruption in their city. So like more people get shot, more people get kidnapped. There's just there's just, it's just things are going to get out of, out of control to the point where the police can't handle it themselves. And on top of that, Black Lightning he also has to deal with you know you know being a victim of prejudice you know at the hands of dirty cops you know being unfairly pulled over unfairly profiled and all that despite being an accomplished man and so he puts on the the outfit and uh he decides to uh, take it to uh those who would do his his family wrong and the community wrong and like i said uh chris williams um it's i mean he 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 feel he plays the role very well and he does project a good a, a good amount of gravitas and you know assertiveness and and confidence in the role um 
I, 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 I thought I, I think it would have been a, a, a nice little Easter egg if say Queen Latifah co-starred like as his like ex-wife, but so you can kind of like make the whole living single connection right there, I, I guess. But it, I thought it was really cool. Um, his uh, his his two daughters they're they're also interesting characters in and of themselves. Like the younger youngest daughter uh, Jennifer, she's very rebellious and she's all about you know you know just trying to be the Miss Popular girl. And her and her older sister uh, Anissa is trying to keep her on the straight and narrow, trying to not trying to trying to prevent her her younger sister from being a little fast fast little heifa running around the school, you know, and uh, and also um, William Catlett, you know, William Catlett is a he's a good he's a good actor who does a great job playing douchebags. Is he? Yeah, can you give me something that he played in? Um, he played in some um um what you call it some like online uh web series like on youtube like mm-hmm. uh that guy um and also he was also on this um romantic uh romantic comedy a series called first which was on youtube All right. and um and yeah he does a really good job of playing like douchebag ass dudes like he 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 can he can portray villainy very well and in this in this in this uh, particular episode like there's a scene where like he has this little kid who like um who who goes up to him and like he's like, you know I guess he I guess he, I guess he messed messed up a delivery or something, right. and then and then Lala like just just straight up threatens him says like yo I'm gonna beat, I'm gonna beat the piss out of you I'm gonna beat the brakes off your little ass if you don't do what the f I say, and like and it straightens straightens the kid up and I'm like yo this this dude is so good at playing a douchebag like if I met him in real life I'd be like yo go f yourself dude, <laughs> but yo he plays a good villain and also um. Uh, Marvin Crondon Jones III, who plays Tobias Whale, he's like the main villain, so he's Lala's boss. Um, he's he's definitely got an intimidating presence about him too. He's a uh, he's an he's a black dude. He's albino, and um, I guess maybe that kind of fits into his character because like like he does have this unusual appearance, but he also he also like every every syllable that he utters is like, "Yo, don't don't cross me. If you even look at me funny, I will." F- I will fucking hang you by the by the balls outside a outside a goddamn five story window. Um, well, damn. Yeah, so that's that's the that's the image that he the aura that he that he portrays. But um, but yeah, uh, I, like I said, uh, Black Lightning. It's it's definitely got uh, some serious potential. I will be I will be checking out the second episode tonight. I know who Crondon Marvin Crondon Jones is. Yeah, you've seen him before. He was yeah he was the albino in Exhibit's group Strong Arm Steady. Yeah, that's so he's right. He's a rapper too. Yeah. Okay. Yep, he's a rapper too. All right. Oh, and um, Nick Quatrini, shout outs to him, yo. He shows us tons of love. Yeah. We yeah. need to get him on the show. Oh yeah. So, but he said Black Knight, Black Knightin was great. Gave me a Luke Cage and Batman vibe, because the neighborhood is crumbling. Batman calls the secret. Batman calls the secret room suit. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. One of Black Lightning's uh his mentor uh James played by James Remar like he's like a he he's like uh he was. Dexter's father on the show, Dexter. Okay. Um, yeah, he he plays his, uh, Black Lightning's mentor, and he's like a longtime like family friend of his, and he's a tailor, and so he also like has a secret room in his uh, in his store in the basement where he creates his outfit. You know who he is? Who? He played Raiden in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Christopher Lambert didn't reprise his role in that? No. Oh shit! How, for some reason, I thought he did. Wow. Oh. Wow, now I know. Now I remember. <laughs> but he's done better work since then. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. So uh so yes, yeah, so I encourage people to check out Black Lightning. It's on CW Tuesdays at nine PM. It's a it's a good show. 
and I like what I see. It's a good time. It's a good. It's a good time to see black heroes doing their thing. All right. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still laughing at. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so for the two movies that I saw this uh, this weekend, um, they just opened in Rhode Island, and I, these two films I I hold near and dear to my heart uh, because they're that good. The first movie that I've seen. Uh, was um, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest film, Phantom Thread, which stars Daniel Day-Lewis, Vicky Kreps, uh, Kripes, uh, Le- and Leslie Manville. Yeah, you haven't shut up about that all weekend. Yeah, I know. It's 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 an exceptional I film. I saw your hashtag see this film. Yes. And a Facebook status. Yes. Yes. Uh, this, like Phantom Thread is an exceptional film. Like if it, if it had opened last year in Rhode Island, it would have been my number one favorite film of 2017. And this film stars Daniel Day-Lewis in his final performance. Uh, he's now retired. Um, he stars as a... Uh, it takes place in the uh, London, in, in the high fashion world of the 1950s. And Daniel Day-Lewis plays a renowned fashion designer and dressmaker named Reynolds Woodcock. Um, which coincidentally is my stripper name. Hey. So, um, so he plays a... <laughs> So yeah, uh, so he's Reynolds Woodcock, and um, the the film follows his his character, and he falls in love with this waitress named Alma, and Alma Elson, played by Vicky Kripes, who's uh, who's this uh, who's this uh, woman who ends up becoming his muse, his new muse to create his latest uh, fashions and latest dresses, and uh, their relationship uh, runs hot and cold to say the least. And I really can't divulge too much about the plot or, or be anything much beyond the setup. But what I can tell you is that this film is absolutely incredible. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, he not only writes and directs this film, he also serves as a cinematographer of this movie as well. And the film is just resplendent, man. It's just pulchritudinous. You have such beautiful shots of, of, of you know, these 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 beautiful dresses um, that that uh, Reynolds Reynolds makes. Um, you have all these like sweeping shots going into going from room to room, different interiors. Um, the performances are absolutely incredible. Daniel Day Lewis, man, there's a reason why he is the first and only actor to win three lead actor Oscars. And yo, when when you say like leave it leave it all leave it all on the stage or leave it all on the screen or leave it leave it all in the ring. This is what Daniel Day Lewis does. Like, this is definitely one of his best performances. Like, he plays a character who's so mercurial. He's pretentious. He's like a pretentious creative type. Like, he's a he's a dude who's who has, who has a very strict routine, and any deviation like uh, 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 beyond his routine, like it just totally messes up his day. And he's such and he's such a tightwad that like. That like even if you're like sitting next to him and you're like eating breakfast and you feel like you're scraping butter on the bread too loudly or if you're chewing too loudly or sipping, you know, a little bit too loudly, like that just puts him off and that just like ruins half of his day right there. That's how that's how much of an uptight jackass he is, kind of in the in the film. And um, then you have uh, Leslie Manville who plays his sister Cyril, who's this ice queen. She's very stoic, very ice cold, and she does a very good job of uh, helping. Reynolds uh, run a tight ship as far as his business is concerned and all the employees and all the dressmakers that he employs. And uh, Vicky Kripes, who plays uh, Alma, his love interest, 
man, she goes toe to toe with Daniel Day Lewis in every scene. Like she does a great job of playing this this woman who, on the surface, she appears you know very nice, very very personable, but then but then throughout the film, you kind of see how how bullheaded and how stubborn she is. And when you see their relationship unfold, it's kind of like the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Mm-hmm. And so the movie. With their relationship, the relationship kind of shows you like what does a relationship look like when you have both partners that hate compromise, and it's it's just an it's just an engaging film from start to finish. I love the story. I love how it unfolds. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson has a perfect command of pacing and the tone. Like you're just riveted throughout the film, and also the musical score by Johnny Greenwood. Um, man, this is some awesome work. It's like. Uh, piano and classical melodies throughout the film like it, it has it's on spotify too so if you can watch if you can listen to the the score on spotify i highly recommend it because it's some of his best work and man i love the soundtrack i love the score um it's it really puts you in a mood you know puts you in a sophisticated mood like you want to sit down sit down have a have a glass of moscato and just you know enjoy the day Moscato's a hood ass dessert wine Pick it's something else it's not a hood ass dessert wine yeah you could have said chardonnay or something I like Chardonnay. Okay. I mean, it, you it, it, just said something. How is Moscato hood? Because the only people I know who drink Moscato are hood. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't make it hood though. Moscato is a classy wine. Okay, and it happens to be my favorite. Now I'm gonna have to pick another one. Thanks a lot, Carl. Okay, why don't you just pick like Chardonnay or something? Uh, well, I can't remember the last time Pinot I drank Noir? Chardonnay. Pinot Noir is fine. Hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm more of a white wine person. Yeah. Beer. Yeah, whatever. Uh <laughs> well speaking of beer, I do like Miller High Life. But um High Life's cool. Yeah. But um and Sam Adams. But yeah. Uh yeah. Depends. Yeah. So yes, um uh Paul Thomas Anderson's latest film, Phantom Thread. Please watch it. It's in theaters now. It's an incredible film. Um if it still makes it on my top twenty list this year, then it's gonna be awesome. I, I love this film. Daniel Day Lewis Thank you, sir, for you know decades of awesome acting work. You left it all on the screen. You didn't overstay your welcome. You could have been the broken down veteran with a bad hip. You know, you know, you and know. The so- middle finger goes. <laughs> uh, hey, cousin Marion, you got you just got saved by my cousin. Marian. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the uh, so that was Phantom Thread. Please check it out. It's in theaters now, um, in Rhode Island. Um, and also, the other film that I that I watched is a beautiful film which just came out. It's called "Call Me by Your Name," and it's a film starring uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, Army Hammer, Michael Stolberg, and Amira Caesar, and Esther Garel. And this was uh, directed by Luca Guadagnino, who directed the 2010 film "I Am Love" with Tilda Swinton, and it's also written by James Ivory, the the uh, legendary uh, producer and director uh this film call me by your name it's set in northern italy in 1983 and it follows the uh romantic or love relationship between uh a young young guy named elio and uh, and his father's uh assistant uh named oliver played by army hammer and the film uh, takes place during like a vacation uh in in northern italy and elio he's uh, he's kind of like a bookworm kind of keeps to himself he like likes to read um, he has a little, little, little thing going on with this, um, with this French girl um, that he, you know, that he, you know, they're just doing their thing like what, like what young lovers do, 
And uh, Army Hammer's character Oliver, you know, he arrives. You know, he's he serves as his father's assistant. Like like they study linguistics. Um, and um, throughout the film, uh, Elio develops a crush and infatuation on Oliver. And Oliver, in turn, you know, develops a little infatuation, a little crush of his own towards Elio. And you see their, you know, relationship uh, blossom throughout the film. Um, the film is uh, driven by, is a character-driven piece, and it's driven by two excellent performances uh, by both Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. Uh, Chalamet, he's so great in this film. Um, I'll start with him as a, as a lead character, uh, Elio. Um he he does a, such a perfect job of portraying you know what that what that feeling of young love like when you're when you're when you're 17 and you know you 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 fall and you you're trying to figure out yourself you're trying to figure out these complicated feelings of like infatuation being having a crush and falling in love and like you know making a good impression or do you think you're good enough and then like you know the the way that he looks at Oliver is just kind of heartbreaking and like it's kind of sweet too did you cry I didn't cry. I didn't cry, but I can understand people who would cry in, in in this film. Like I will say this: the way I will say this though for anybody who watches this film, like if if you're single and if you're looking for that special someone, get you get you that special someone who can look at you the way Elio looks at Oliver, or the because Elio look the way Elio looks at Oliver is the way I look at the the Criterion Collection section at Barnes and Noble. So. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of love there, man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, okay, I got my okay, you got my composure back. Um, Need some water or something? No, I'm good. I'm good. Um, uh, Army Hammer, Army Hammer is also terrific uh, as as Oliver, um, and you know he's kind of he's kind of a more of like a typical you know all American white dude, and you know he's like you know. Kind of, kind of, kind of has like some jockish, uh, a little bit of arrogant uh, type uh, qualities to him. But throughout the film, like once he gets closer to Elio, you can you can you can kind of see that veneer kind of like fade away around around him. Um, the film has a great soundtrack as well. It's got some. It's got a good mixture of classical classical music, uh, '80s pop music, especially from G, uh, Giorgio Giorgio Moroder, uh, John Adams, Ryuichi Sakamoto. And it's also got three awesome original songs by uh, Sufjan Stevens, and um, his his three songs in the film are, are are absolutely very good. Like for example, "Mystery of Love" is is terrific, and also the final song in the film, uh, "Visions of Gideon," which plays over the opening the the closing credits. And without any spoilers, I gotta say, stick around for the closing credits because man, that was like an emotional kind of an emotional gut punch. I didn't cry, but. I can understand people who would cry in a film like this. He cried. I did not cry. I did not cry. I would admit if I cried, but I didn't. So that's true. That is true. Yeah. You do admit. Yeah. So yes. Uh. So yeah. If you're looking for a a, a beautifully told a romantic story, a story about young love and like all the joys and the pain that it brings, and just beautiful visuals of the Italian countryside, watch "Call Me by Your Name." It's two hours and ten minutes of just just. Just sweetness, just beauty. I, I I love this. This is one of the reasons why I love films, man. Why I, I love going to the theater. Why I love supporting good art. You know, don't don't boot like this shit. Just just go and watch it. Did you watch it by yourself? I did watch it by myself. Oh okay. Yeah, um, and uh, thankfully that's because I, I and you know I got to give a quick plug. Thank you, Movie Pass. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, because thanks to MoviePass, I've been saving money on movies since since uh, December 1st. Yeah, so I can see any movie I want in a the theater just for nine ninety five a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, it's beautiful. It's one of the greatest apps I've ever had in my life. It, it how all, does that how does that work anyways like uh movie pass it's a, so it's a subs, it's a subscription service right. so it's a, it's an app you can download on your phone mm-hmm. and what you do is like uh, you subscribe and it's like 9.95 a month right and so what you do is you go to a theater so you have to physically go to a theater so what they do is they movie pass they send you a mastercard movie pass mastercard mm-hmm. so you go to the theater and with your smartphone you just punch in the theater that you're that you're going into and the showtime of the movie that you're going to watch, once you do, then it has a check mark on your screen saying that, oh, uh, your ticket has been purchased. You have 30 minutes to claim your ticket. So you go into the theater, use your MoviePass uh, MasterCard, boom, and you get in. You watch the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it only works uh, one movie per day, So and, and it resets at 12 a.m. every day. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so if you want to watch those bad movies, like, hey, you can watch it guilt-free, nine ninety five a month. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that's what I've been up to. Um you said you wanted to talk about uh Raw 25? Yeah, last night last mm. night was the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, first I do got to say yo, shout outs to our wrestling fantasy warfare group. Mm-hmm. Um Adrian, Eddie, uh James Grande, Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God! There's so many, so many of the guys I want to shout out. Nate Alves. Yeah. I mean, we, I had a ball watching. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will and joining in on it, joining in on the thread. I had mm-hmm. an absolute ball watch. Yeah, like, like I, I also joined in on, on the on the thread. Oh, I had to tag you in that one. That was yeah. just too much. Lou Fabrizio, mm-hmm. Alan Turnbull. Kyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I will say that the the wrestling fantasy warfare thread it made it made the show enjoyable because I will say if you take away the nostalgia tripping on Raw twenty five you're left with a trash show. Man, that was a trash show. I wouldn't call it trash. Yeah, it, it was. had its high moments. It had its moments. It, but... I I thought I I said this. Yeah. It was cool, but. Could have been a lot better. Oh, by leaps and bounds, yeah. But like I said, the thread made it entirely fun. So like I enjoyed my, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. a lot of it because of the thread. Yeah, like I'm sitting here just laughing throughout the whole entire thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I will say, like like the best moment of the show, like the two of the best moments were Stone Cold coming out stunning Vincent Shane at the top because of the program. He 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 was, he was so soft with it though. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 was soft on Vince, but he had, he to, get... had to be. Vince is set. Vince is seventy. Okay, he was yeah. stunning Vince in, when Vince was in his fifties. Yeah, Vince so... was able to handle all that back then. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Shane had to eat two stunners, which was funny. He's younger. He can take yeah. it. If, if Shane can freaking jump off a hell in a cell onto a onto a table, yep. with a protective mat under. Yep. True. He can take two stunners and be okay. Oh, absolutely, and survive a helicopter crash. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Damn, I forgot about that. Yeah. And uh and, and Stone Cold, like, he had the biggest pop of the night and like he 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 didn't even say a word. Like He didn't need to. No. Nah, just went out he there. He just went out there. Raised the hands, drank beer. Stunned that just that's it. Like the 
that brought that brought went back to the '98 where Vince would come out, cut a promo, talk his shit, yada yada yada. Mm-hmm. The glass shatters. I mean, I would probably say that Stone Cold's Edge's music was probably the greatest of all time. I'll agree. I between agree. between that and Hogan. Mm. Well, I would say Hogan. No, if you go back to the '80s, just go back and watch those watch those you know shows from the '80s. Like once you hear that, dun, 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 I mean. People went insane. Absolutely, even I did. Like it was, it was yeah. crazy. Mm. And and you know what? Speaking of uh, the Stone Cold Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme, I gotta say this, yo. Shame on WWE for releasing Jim Johnston unceremoniously. Uh, for those who don't know, Jim Johnston, he was the for for the past thirty two years or so, he was responsible for creating many of the iconic wrestling themes. All right, Stone, yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley's, Kurt Angle, Undertaker's, uh, Undertaker's, The Rock. I love the Undertaker's. Like he did. Yeah. The, he, there's a video where he just like played the Undertaker's um, theme on a piano. It was like so soothing. Mm. Yeah, I can see that being like a nice relaxing. Oh, I'll play it for you after the show's over. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, Jim Johnson, big ups to you, my friend. I hope you find your find your feet once again. And he don't need to do nothing. He can retire off that money. Well, here's the thing, though, like because you know how WWE doesn't have like closing credits, right? Um, like Jim Johnson did. He did. Re- he was he was interviewed. Uh, he was on Sean Mooney's podcast. Remember him. <laughs> Um, I know Sean Mooney. Yeah, prime time with Sean Mooney, and uh, and Jim Johnson said that well because WWE doesn't run end credits on their shows, production credits, like nobody in the industry really knows who he is. Right. And so like it's for him. It's like he it's like it's like he has no, a, but he had his fair share though. But he for got his fair share of credits. Yeah, but for him, it's like he has to start his career all over again, pretty much. That's how that's that's where he's at, which which is unfortunate because the dude is a legend. No Mick Foley, Hogan, Bret Hart, Orton, and The Rock. What's up with that? Mm. Okay, um, I know because I was I caught a couple of headlines. Bret Hart wasn't there because um, Bret Hart has it. He had an injured hand. Oh yeah. So he had like a, I guess a follow up appointment that he couldn't miss. Yeah. Because when he was at Comic Con, like he had a cast in his hand. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember. Yeah. Um, Mick Foley also said that he he was invited to come, but he had a prior commitment. Mm. Um. Hogan, they're still kind of iffy about bringing him back. Yeah, because you know all the you know the racist those racist remarks that he that came up what two years ago, two three uh, years ago, three years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's like and we live in a very PC world, so mm-hmm. it's like that's a touchy subject. Yeah. Um, The Rock, he's just he's a little too high sedity. Like The Rock doesn't need he doesn't need WWE, but it's like. Never forget where you come from. I always say return. Well, I read this in Charlemagne's book, and I highly agree with this. Mm. You always got to return to your core. I agree. Return to your core because it kind of just refuels you mm-hmm. from to where you want to go. Just got to go back to where you was, just to refuse to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I could see that, but at the same time, Rock is a very busy man. He's got he's got Hollywood film commitments up the wazoo okay but i was like you know what he could yeah but he could have been humble enough to just say you know what if it wasn't for these guys mm. i wouldn't be here well he did tweet about the show fuck a tweet <laughs> okay uh, uh, a tweet you know what a tweet you know what that's like what that's like you posting like this big event mm-hmm. 
and you invite some on yeah, you post this big event on Facebook, right. you invite somebody and they say maybe. Uh <laughs> okay. maybe they'll show up. Yeah, okay, all right. That's fair. Um see Nick question. WWE, I think, watched Hogan from their history after what happened. He, they didn't watch him because he's, yeah, they did take him out of the Hall of Fame, out of the Hall of Fame page because I'm like, that's a yeah. pretty touchy, that was a pretty touchy subject. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't think they watched him because they still show his highlights. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like they didn't watch CM Punk. Yeah. They had the pipe bomb in the. The yeah, thing. they had the pipe bomb and some. They showed. They highlighted the pipe bomb and they still showed him. Mm-hmm. They ain't show Chris Benoit. Oh hell no! Never gonna show Chris mm-hmm. Benoit. They showed Eddie. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Eddie's a living legend. Well, they showed Hogan. I mean, now yeah, they showed Hogan. They they showed Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. And he was on bad terms with the company for years. Yeah, and Ultimate Warrior wasn't exactly a good person himself. No, he wasn't. Yeah. No, he wasn't. I got his autograph. Oh, that's cool. Which is like, yeah, it's on a DVD, which is worth a lot now. Oh. Possibly. Is it the same? Self-destruction? No. No. No, he put out a, um, he with this um, company called Ringside Collectibles. I'm actually, I'm actually at a picture in their website. I'll show you. But, um, I forgot about it, but I'll show you. But, um, he, he put out a shoot interview with them. Mm-hmm. So they put it out, and they, he signed exclusively. They he signed 500 DVDs exclusively. Oh wow! So I was able to pick up one of them. I think I picked up like 378 mm. out of 500. Okay, nice. So like I remember that like when he died, I um I remember moved to a place and I just hadn't have I didn't have a place to store all my wrestling videos. So I stored yeah. it at my boy's house, which I still there. Mm-hmm. I hope. And I just. Just once I learned that he died, I'm like, yo, where's all my wrestling videos? Yeah, they're still in the adding stuff. Yo, are you going to be home later? Yeah. I'm coming over at this time. I went into that attic and just to retrieve that DVD. Oh, wow. And posted on Facebook and, Facebook and stuff like, wow, he just died and I got this. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That's like, a- I literally stopped everything that I was doing that day just so I can get that. Oh, wow. That's uh, some piece of memorabilia right there yeah i think the last i checked it was like worth once he died like it was worth like 350 dollars wow it's a collector's item for sure oh yeah definitely not yeah Yeah. but yeah the show nostalgia for you know for the nostalgia yes but i think they could have done so much more if more if more people were available did they mention Owen Hart? I didn't see. It. They did not. Mm. They can't. Yeah, Martha Hart. Yeah. Mm. Just, 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 please, Martha. Just let us. Yeah. Just, just let them. Just let them at least throw them in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they even released the DVD. We got that. Yeah, which took. They had to go through hell to do that. Yeah. So. Yeah. We got more hell to go through. Yeah. Um, we, need a, we need to like petition actually. Mm, yeah. I'm sure there's probably a good amount of petitions. Yeah, probably. But um, she's just bitter. She was just she never liked the wrestling business from the get go. Like I couldn't even finish her book mm-hmm. because like once she gets into like mentioning wrestling, like she just bad mouths it. Oh, I see. And it just and it just became repetitive to me at at one point. I'm like, you know what? I don't even want to finish it now. Gotcha. Yeah. Still have it if you want to. I don't know. Where nah. No, nope, I don't know where it's at. But it's no, it's stored away. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, I will. I will say, like, like I said, like, um, the, oh, the the 
Raw 25, the 25th anniversary, it took place at the Barclays Center and at the Manhattan Center, which was where Raw began Okay. in 93. Yeah, let's get to that. Yeah, um, I will say that before we get to the Manhattan Center show, um, the best part of the night, besides uh, Austin Sunning Vince, uh, was The Miz becoming an eight-time uh, Intercontinental Champion. That was a, and I posted it on our thread. I'm like, watch, if Miz wins this, he is going to get a Dolph Ziggler night after WrestleMania-like pop. And what happened? <laughs> he did. He did. As, as, and as a matter of fact, and this wasn't shown at the Manhattan Center. Like after the show, like he got a, he received a hero's welcome when he arrived at the Manhattan Center when he took that twenty dollar Uber to get to get there. Apparently, probably, um, possibly. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I'll say it's this: What did what did the Intercontinental Title do for Roman Reigns? Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. Uh, wait, okay. Is this about to go? Is this about to? Is, are you about to take shots at Adrian? Nah. I'm Who good. will be here next week? Nah, I'm good. I'm good. I've already said my piece. He knows the score. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The, let's get into the Manhattan Center show. Um, this is and for me, this was the real story because uh, apparently those who attended the Manhattan Center show. Not only were their tickets obscenely expensive, a minimum of four hundred dollars. Four hundred minimum to sit. They paid a minimum of four hundred dollars to sit in a room. Yeah, I mean, great. It was. It would have been cool. I mean, great. You know, the feeling just to like sit there and you know see the original set, the somewhat of original set. Mm-hmm. Like they even had the old Ico Pro logo. They, they went to the yeah. They went into the warehouse and got and dug that up. Mm-hmm. Do it in a wash machine and just like go, yeah. Ico Pro. Yeah, I don't even remember what Ico Pro really was. I think it was like a, I think it was like a supplement of some yeah, kind. yeah, yeah. And then they just basically watched the show on a big screen. Yeah, I heard that like they they trotted out like four like big screen TVs in front ringside for like each section of the audience, and like there were fans chanting bullshit. Refunds and we want something. Yeah, yeah. Um, as Eddie was saying, Jr. and Lola were sleeping. Yeah, did you see that picture? Oh, of course. Yeah, that was hilarious. That 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 was really. You sent it to me today. That was released like five minutes after like the show went off the air. Oh wow. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of commercials too. There were a lot. A little too much. It was like it was like watching the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I don't know if it's like a case of them having to pay money for both venues or something like that, but there were a lot. A little, yeah, a little too much, and it was at bad times too. Like Razor Ramon comes up, Scott yeah. Hall comes out, yeah, and then they go to commercial. Yeah, that was the weirdest one. I'm like, wait, what's the? I'm like, I'm you know hyping up. I'm like, yo, man, it's good to see Scott Hall. He's doing better. He's doing much better. Mm-hmm. You know, from last I checked, the Jake the, Sna- the resurrection of Jake the Snake de- uh, documentary. Have you seen that yet? I did. Okay. Yeah. So like he, I'm like, yo, it's good. You know, it's good to see him doing well. And they just go to commercial. I'm like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And then um, they- Road Dog self edit self editing himself when he says, "Oh, you didn't." Know. First of all, it didn't even feel. Yeah. It, it didn't really like feel right. Like he just—he's like he did it just to do it. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, "Yo, you better call somebody." No, it's yo ass better call somebody. And it's like, yeah. and you know, the last somebody. Like he didn't really hold it like he did. Mm-hmm. But it's like once he got into if once he got into the ring, he kind of filled it up and stuff. X Pac mm. came out looking as skinny as he did when he was the one two three kid. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he had pop belly in the last DX reunion, so. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Yeah, absolutely. And all that. But what was cool was be 
that they brought out the quote unquote Bala Club. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as like they're getting, the, they're finally getting their seal of approval because mm-hmm. they started doing the, you know, the Bullet Club started using their uh, NWO mannerisms, you know, yeah, the whole too, too sweet. sweet thing. So it's like, it's like they got, yeah, it's like they got their seal of approval. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. The breaks were bad all. The breaks were bad all night. They came back three times from commercial, and the matches wrapped up within a minute. Yeah, it's like it's like the event was just poorly timed. It was, and as a matter of fact, like from what I from what I read, um, some reports from pe- fans who were in the arena um, at the Manhattan Center, they were treated to like a two, uh, three minute, like two minute cruiserweight matches that like wrapped up like in between commercial breaks. Yeah, so like they literally they went out, did a couple of flips, pin, pinfall, ran backstage. Well, there was one good thing about it that you would find oh so satisfying. And what was that? No Enzo. Yeah, well, for for really terrible reasons. We'll, <laughs> we'll get into that. we'll get into that later on with the headlines. Um, but yeah, um, I will say like overall, like the like like I said, the nostalgia tripping was fine. It was nice to see like some old faces back, like celebrating. But you know, it, it just especially like going go like the the go home show towards Royal Rumble. Nothing. Nothing. There was no nothing. No Yay! Strowman strikes again. Yeah, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I will. I do want to have to say one thing. Yeah, Brock Lesnar is gonna fuck his neck up whenever he gets to, whenever he gets clotheslined over the top. Like it's like he misses the apron because that's mm. one thing you're supposed to do. Like when you you're supposed to like post yourself on the apron when you go over. Mm-hmm. He completely misses it every time. Oh, and man. I just I'm just afraid like one day it's like he's gonna just really like slip and just gonna fall wrong and he's gonna hit his neck on that apron and it's not gonna be pretty. Oof. Yeah, and plus he's like so, so he's also go back to UFC this year, allegedly. Yeah, but um, but yeah, uh, Raw twenty five it could have been much better, but you know, like I said, I I feel for the fans who spent all that hard earned money, you know, right at the Manhattan Center. The Barclay Center was popping. Yeah, apparently, like they had you know the Barclay Center had had his good moments. The Dudley, you know, the Dudley showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, Million Dollar Man. That was, yo, that whole APA thing was freaking great. But I said, I kind of did want to see them get into like a little bar fight type deal. Yeah. Because <laughs> that just would have been, that would have been great. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, they can't do it at the friendly tab where all their best mm-hmm. bar fights were. Yeah. <laughs> that was like uh, referee Tim White. He yeah. Doing that, yeah. He yeah. used to. He, had, yeah. he sold it. Mm. Okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. It's a completely, it's a whole completely different thing. Like there's like no, cause I've been to the friendly tap before. Mm-hmm. Like back then when it was still, when Tim White still owned it, like you mm-hmm. saw all the pictures, like lo- lots of great wrestling history. Mm-hmm. And I actually met him there too. So he told, you know, so he was very, very friendly, mm-hmm. told some stories and stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. The tickets were dumb, expensive, Brian. Yeah. So, but yeah, he was like very friendly. Told some, just told some Andre stories because he was really close with Andre. Yeah. Um, he was able to see pictures that you would never think you would see. Mm-hmm. So, um, and actually, like Andre the Giant, he holds like a a seafood eating record at the Nordic Lodge. Oh, really? Yeah, and I still gotta go. There. One day I'm gonna make it there. Hmm. It's like a hundred dollars a plate, but it's like all you can eat seafood. Oh, hmm, that sounds good. Yeah, it does. Yeah. All right, so yeah, Raw twenty five, one for the books. Yeah, it's in there now. Let's, yeah. uh, let's 
<laughs> I mean, but then I also read from somebody else. He's from um, somebody else I'm friends with on Facebook who's a huge wrestler fan. It's like he enjoyed it because and he was like, listen, I understand everybody can't make it. Packing everybody into one show, like all the legends into one show, what could it could have been overkill. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, you know, but you still would have lo- you still would have loved to see the faces that like made raw. Like, oh, oh and you know, Undertaker showed up, showing up. Great to see him again. I guess. Great. You shut your face. Look, can I have my moment, please? Yeah, go ahead. As an Undertaker fan, can I have my moment? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was great to see him again. You know, he made an announcement. Saying after 25 years, his opponents can rest in peace. So it's like, it sounds like in a retirement, but it's still open. Like now, as an Undertaker fan, I do want him to retire. The send-off that he had was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it was perfect. I, he shouldn't have, I still believe he shouldn't have lost yeah. to Roman. Yeah, of course. I mean, I understand you got, you know, you're old school. You go out looking up at the lights. Mm-hmm. That's how everybody else, that's how everybody else lost. Mm-hmm. And and just to clear things up, Undertaker officially retired when it said it's time for the souls to rest. See, that's what I thought. But then it's like, it still kind of felt open. Yeah, like it didn't feel like definitive. And, right. And because of that, it kind of felt like his appearance was, I dare say, wasted. Because it was just good to see him. Uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, he was a pi- he was a pillar in the Monday Night Wars. Absolutely. So it's like he had to be, he had to have been there. I mean, I I, I thought it would have been cooler if like he came out maybe as himself as Mark Calloway. Nah, because you wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel right. Like you're getting the. I mean, well, he's done it before, mm-hmm. but even then, what's what's dope about it is like people were still cheering like one more match. So it's like. You still, they people still want that presence. They want the presence, but they don't know what they ultimately want. They do you want to see one more Undertaker match? No, I don't want him to fight. I want him to, you know, be happy. I want Mark Calloway to enjoy his life, mm-hmm. you know, be with his family and stuff. But it's like, I, I still, as a, you know, as a huge fan, I still want those feelings. I still want to hear that gong. I still want to hear that gong. I still want to, that he has a presence. Mm-hmm. Like he's just that much of an icon that people still like they want to see him go, but yet they still want to hang on to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, yeah, sometimes you got You got no, look. not the American badass. <laughs> not the American badass. It was cool for its time, but not the American badass. Yeah. But you know, you 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 got to let things go, man. You do. You yeah. do. Yeah. Otherwise, you end up like uh, Randy the Ram Robinson in the wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you know that would have been funny if you would have showed up too. <laughs> oh, man. like I still want my Madison Square Garden moment <laughs> with the Ayatollah oh man that would have been that would have been so random and hilarious yeah it would have yeah so yeah uh, Raw 25 people uh, Royal Rumble is next Sunday so we'll get into that next week's ep- episode of the podcast yeah we'll be reviewing that so as a matter of fact before we move on mm-hmm Who's your Royal Rumble pick? Uh, I was gonna go with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, so he can go on to face AJ Styles. Okay. And as an alter- as an alternate, Finn Balor. I just have one. Who? Miz. 
He has way too much momentum going on right now. Like he he's really he's really over. Oh, absolutely. I honestly think his previous title run was just a little too soon for him. Hmm. Cause it just it really didn't it really didn't feel nothing. Now, if they was to give him the belt, man, yeah, it would just be they're like, yo, take it and run with it, and it'll be it'll be such a huge buyout. Mm-hmm. Definitely overbooked the stars, but they had no idea what to do with them aside from Austin, Dullies, and DX. They buried the revival, but built Elias with the Cena thing, which was really good. What you think of that? The whole Elias Cena Cena thing. You know, I'm actually very surprised and perplexed that like Elias actually caught on with the main roster because he was boring as shit on NXT. Right. And the fans booed him, like gave him like straight like X Pac heat every time he came out on NXT. It was crazy. He barely wrestles. Yeah, he barely wrestles. This is like the whole do the whole douchey guitar playing gimmick like works for him. Yeah. And the fans He's actually not that bad on a guitar. He's pretty basic, but it's like he can carry a tune. He can. And the fans are eating it up. Yeah. Which it's like, entertaining. It's like fashion police. It's entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, good on good on him. Good on him for catching on. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he found something that worked. Yeah. That really worked. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, that's uh those are all the uh headline stuff. And yes, Eddie, we all know Roman is winning. So Brock Lesnar's been keeping that belt warm, the universal championship for Roman since last year's WrestleMania. Um, Shout and, out to Adrian. Yeah, and watch Adrian go. You see, that's why Roman is the greatest of all time. Oh my God. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> so let's move on to the uh, to the. Uh, Shout out to Jericho for wearing the uh, Alpha Alpha Club jersey. T- I mean, I said jersey. The Alpha shirt. Club shirt too. Yeah. Oh yes, Jericho and breaking out the list. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, we got some news and headlines this week. Uh, biggest headline this week is that uh, the 90th Academy Awards uh, nominations have been announced today, this who's, morning. Who's hosted the Oscars? Uh, James Carden, right? No, it's... Oh, um, oh, man. Not Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Kimmel? Jimmy Kimmel, yes. I like Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's way better. Like This is this is this will be Jimmy Kimmel's second year hosting in a row. I like Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we have... Um, uh, for Best Picture, we have nine films... Uh, nominated, we have Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out. That's my pick. Uh, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot. Yeah. So uh, the Oscars, they usually nom- can nominate up to 10 Best Picture. Oh, uh, I always thought it was like six. Maybe I'm just thinking Grammys because Grammys usually are like five. I think they're like a. I think their nominees are usually like five. Yeah. A category. Yeah. The yeah the Oscars used to nominate up to five best pictures, but they increased the number in 2009. Oh okay. Yeah. So out of all these, these are all well. I haven't seen Darkest Hour, but the other ones that I've seen, they're all great choices. Um, I would love to see Get Out win Best Picture. That'd be so dope. Yeah. That'd be so dope. Yep. Um, the only snub that I see there is Blade Runner 2049. For some reason, it wasn't nominated Best Picture, and it should have. It, sh- it really should have, because it was my favorite film of the, of the year. Um, so for director, we have five nominees for Best Director. We have uh, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Uh, hold on, hold that thought. We have Jordan Peele nominated for Best Director for Get Out. Uh, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird. 
Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. I'm going off of your review, and Shape of Water is going to be my... Uh, Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water mm. is going to be my pick. And also his uh, Emmy speech that oh, they tried to cut off. Oh, you mean the Golden Globes? Golden Globes, excuse yeah. me. And the resident supervillain John Upon it comes in and says, no, the Marvel nominations, it must pain you that even Boss Baby can receive an Oscar nomination. <laughs> we will get there, sir. We'll we'll get there in a second. Um, Stay tuned. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peele, some fun facts about Jordan Peele's nomination. Jo- Jordan Peele becomes the fifth black director ever nominated for the Best Director Oscar. Really? Yeah. Who was the previous four? Do you know? Uh, the previous four include John Singleton for Boys in the Hood. That was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, for Best Director. In fact, yeah. in fact, Singleton still has the record for youngest director nominated. Really? Yeah, he was twenty-four. Twenty. Damn. Yeah. Uh, for John Singleton, Boys in the Hood, Lee Daniels for Precious, Steve McQueen for Twelve Years a Slave, and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. Oh, okay. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, and Jordan Peele is also the first uh, film black filmmaker to land three nominations in the, in one year for the Oscars for Best Picture, Best Director, and Original Screenplay. Um, Christopher Nolan, I think he should win as well, but I would not be mad if any of these people won because great great choices. Uh, for lead actor, uh, we have Timothy uh, Chalamet for Call Me by Your Name, uh, Daniel Day Lewis for Phantom Thread. Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out, right on. Uh, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Okay, Denzel's the GOAT, so he don't need no more. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I, I'm rooting for Daniel Kaluuya, mm. but I would like to see Daniel Del Lewis get one more. Yeah. Just to, you know, because he just retired. Yep. So it, it would be nice to see him get one more before he goes. Yeah, I agree. Like this will be his fourth uh, uh, lead actor nom- uh, Oscar if he wins, right. which is unprecedented. In fact, winning three of them is unprecedented. He's the only one to do it, so that would be an awesome, awesome achievement. Yeah, Denzel only got two, right? Yeah, he has For two. Glory and Training Day. Yep. Yeah, tra- uh, Glory was supporting actor. Training Day was lead. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh, Timothy Chalamet has gotten tons of great uh, praise for his uh, role, like, and he definitely deserved his nomination. Um, young too. Yeah, he's only like twenty four, I think. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do predict that uh, the lead actor award will go to Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. Um, he plays um, uh, Winston Churchill. Oh, okay. And um, that that movie, if you see if you see the trailer, it has like give me that Oscar all over it. And Gary Oldman's a great actor too. He's never he received. Is. He's never received an Oscar too, so there you go. No, look at John, look at great actors like Johnny Depp and Jet Depp. And it took forever for Leo to get one. Yeah, that's true. Um, I would have loved to see Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart nominated for Oscars, but you know because they were, they were that good in Logan. Keep going. Yep, but we'll, we'll get John upon it. Yeah. Uh, for lead actress, uh, lead actress, we have Sally Hawkins nominated for The Shape of Water. Francis McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, and, of course, Meryl Streep, The Post. Um, I'm going to say Francis McDormand is going to win this one, her second Oscar. That was, my, that was my pick, but I would like to see Margot Robbie get it for I, Tanya. I've been hearing nothing but good, movie, good things about that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As Tanya Harding, yeah, yeah. She's, she was really good in Not that. Not to mention I remember this. I remember that story. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
And it'd be nice if if, if Sally Hawkins or Saoirse Ronan get it too. Yeah, any any one of these can get it. The the Oscar, the Oscar. The, any 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 one of them. Any get your get your oh, mind get your mind out of the gutter, Paul Bird. I, I didn't listen. Any you one of them me. can get the lead actor Oscar, lead actress Oscar. Oh my god! Any one of them can get the lead actress Oscar. Oh man, that was good. Throwing me off my game. Hey, you did that to yourself. Whatever. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So anyway, moving on. Supporting actor nominations Mm -hmm. include uh, Willem Dafoe for The the Florida Project. Does he have one at all? No. Mm. Uh, Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards. Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World. And Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards. Um, Man, you know, I'm, 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 I'm taking Woody Harrelson. Just because I, I like Woody Harrelson. I do too. Um, but I will Willem s- Dafoe is great too, but... Yeah. I'm going to say Sam Rockwell is going to win the Oscar for this one. And, and deservedly so. Because um, he plays a, a, a real shithead, shitheel really Why well. Why do you think Woody Harrelson was the lead, in, was the lead actor in um, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri? Well, he does play a, a key character, but he was more supporting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Plummer uh, getting a nomination, um, which is actually pretty pleasing is that that actually makes him the oldest acting oscar uh nominee at 88 years old oh damn yeah still still plugging away big ups to him and for supporting actress we have mary j blige from mudbound my pick yeah on this is who doesn't love mary yeah she's she's a great uh great singer uh allison janney for i tanya Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, and Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. She won one last year, right? Uh, few, Not last year, a few years ago. Yeah, a few years or, ago. Um, the Help. Yeah. You're uh, my shit. <laughs> yup. The shit pie, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember meeting somebody. I don't know how we got into like a, co- a conversation about cake. You said, I'll never eat chocolate cake again. Ever since I saw that movie, I'll never <laughs> eat it again. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, fun fact about Octavia Spencer being nominated. Uh, she actually becomes the first black actress to be nominated nominated in two consecutive years because yeah. she was nominated last year for Hidden Figures. Oh, okay. Yep, and she's the only black actress to follow up an Oscar win with two nominations because she won for The Help in 2011. Good yeah. Get it? Yeah, black actors, baby. Um, this one... Uh, Chappelle Show. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to see Mary J. Blige get an acting nomination for Mudbound, which is on Netflix, because she was very good in that. Um, man, this is kind of hard to hard to choose. You can pick any one of these and they'd be deserving. I'm gonna say that Allison Janney's gonna win. I knew for he was Itania. gonna pick it. I knew he was gonna pick it. Because Allison Janney, yo, she she does a great job playing a douchebag mom who's just totally awful. Oh man, she did it so well. Uh, animated feature. Yes, John Haponic, the Boss Baby was nominated for animated feature. Uh, I don't know why. Um, the Breadwinner, which I haven't heard of, was also nominated. Coco, yes, I think that's my pick to win. It's mine too, off of the strength that you probably will cry cry over it again when you buy it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, Ferdinand, starring John Cena, that's been nominated. Are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> What? <laughs> oh my God! A John Cena movie is actually nominated. Yeah, you can. Oscar. Mm-hmm. And uh, God, world's coming to an end. <laughs> and, uh, but you well, know, hey, I guess he came a long way since I'm a Marine. 
Yeah. I can't do it. I'm a Marine. <laughs> and uh, so awful. I bet it was. I went to the theaters on a bargain night, on a bargain night on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and watched it. Oh, man. Did you regret it? I did. I bet you did. Oh, yeah. my God. And, uh, oh. It was just, it, it was, it was just them walking. Yeah. Spent most of the movie walking. <laughs> well, that's the Marine in a nutshell. And also, Loving Vincent. Loving Vincent was nominated for Best Animated, animated Feature as well. Um, this one, I predict I predict Coco was going to win. And That's because you wanted to win. Oh, yeah. I, you I do. Absolutely. And if not that, then definitely Loving Vincent, because that's a work of art in and of itself. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me. I remember you went to like the cable car to watch that one. Oh, no. I went to the um, Newport Art Museum. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, for best original screenplay, um, we have *The Big Sick*, written by Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjani. *Get Out* by that's Jordan. My pick. Yep, that's my pick too. *Get Out* by Jordan Peele, one of the best written films I've seen in years. *Lady Bird* by Greta Gerwig. *The Shape of Water* by Guillermo del Toro and Vanessa Taylor, and Three Billboards* by Martin McDonough. Like I said, *Get Out*. This is Jordan Peele's Oscar to lose. He's going to win Best Original Screenplay, and he deserves Regardless it. Regardless if he wins or, wins or loses, like his stock is just like up there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Eddie Ortiz. I've seen a, mo- I've seen a movie got nominated, but DCU and Marvel get no love. BS. Well, actually, actually, Eddie, uh, uh, Marvel got some love in this next category, the Adapted Screenplay. We have the following nominees for Adapted Screenplay. Call Me By Your Name, written by James Ivory. The Disaster Artist, written by Scott Neustadter, Neustadter and Michael Weber. Logan. Logan, bitch! Yeah, Logan was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, written by Scott Frank, James Mangold, and Michael Green. Eat it, John Haponic. Uh, Molly's Game, by Aaron Sorkin, and Mudbound, by Virgil Williams and D. Rees. Logan's my pick. I would love to see Logan win. And and as a matter of fact, that's Oscar history because Logan is the first superhero film to be nominated for a writing writing Oscar. Oh, yeah, an Oscar that counts, John. Upon it, yeah, not makeup and hairstyling. Yeah, you, see, you know what? Just I'm telling you, Logan. Do I have to show you the pictures of Logan? Oh, you got to do all that. Yeah, relax, yeah. relax. I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna show him. Relax. Show him. See that little letter here, 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 here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, Tisha Campbell in that episode of The Fresh Prince when she rips off her fingernails. So, yeah. Um, Godzilla so, on Netflix, amazing, recommended. That had great animations. Oh, I think he's talking about the Godzilla anime. anime yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, big ups to Logan. Hopefully, it'll win it. But I won't be mad if any of the other nominees get that. Uh, for cinematography, Blade Runner 2049. My Ro- pick. My pick, Roger Deakins. Beautiful, most gorgeous film. If Roger Deakins, this is his 14th nomination, and he's never won an Oscar. If he doesn't win this year for the work that he did in Blade Runner 2049, I'm going to be pissed. And nothing's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, nothing's going to happen. I'll just be very disappointed. Okay. But um, but the other nominees... throw chairs. Yeah, nah, not, not really. Okay. I'll write a sternly worded uh, tweet. Uh, we also have a Darkest Hour nominated for cinematography for from Bruno Bruno Del Bonnell, uh Dunkirk by Hoyt Van Hoytema, Mudbound by Rachel Morrison, and The Shape of Water by Dan Loutston. A uh, fun fact uh, with uh, Mudbound's nomination for cinematography, uh, Rachel Morrison, uh, she becomes the first female cinematographer ever nominated for an Oscar. Oh damn! 
And she's also uh, the cinematographer for Ryan Coogler's movies, Fruitvale Station and the upcoming Black Panther. She didn't do Creed? No, she didn't do Creed. Yeah. But I love Fruitvale Station. That was a real good one. Yeah, absolutely. So far, I've only seen two Ryan Coogler movies, mm-hmm. and they're both hits. Yeah, to me at least. Oh yeah, they're 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 both uh, they're both like sh- strong. Yeah, and Black Panther is gonna oh be God, lit. Yeah, and it looks good. Just judging from Rachel Morrison's work. Mm. Uh, let me see. Um, Documentary feature. Yes, documentary feature. Uh, this one, I haven't seen any of the nominees. I do know that one of them is available on Netflix, which is Icarus. Um, we also have Abacus, Small Enough to Jail, Faces Places, which I hear is very good, Last Man, Last Men in Aleppo, and Strong Island. Um, I, can't even, I couldn't even make a pick because I haven't seen any of them. Yeah, me neither. I haven't seen anything of any of them. Yeah. Um, we have a foreign language film, one of which I've seen. Uh, we have The Square. Uh, which is made made in Sweden, uh, a fantastic woman by from Chile, the insult from Lebanon, loveless from Russia, and on body and soul from Hungary. Um, I, I've heard a lot of great things about a fantastic woman. That's actually opening uh, in theaters next month here. Um, I'm thinking that either that could win, judging from the buzz. But I'm a I'm gonna pick the square because that's a really good film. I think you posted it. Did you see the Creed two, Ivan? They picked. Um, they did cast somebody for. Um, oh, for Creed two, the son, yeah. the son of Ivan Drago. Right. Uh, yeah. Hold on. You you can keep. Them, oh keep yeah. Them open. Yeah. Um. Also for um for the last three categories here we have original score, uh for the Oscars we have uh, original score Dunkirk from Hans Zimmer. Phantom Thread by Johnny Greenwood, The Shape of Water by Alexander Desplat, Star Wars The Last Jedi by John Williams, and Three Billboards by Carter Burwell. All right, and boxer Florian Mont- Montanu, I'm pretty sure I'm saying it wrong. He's going to be playing um, Ivan Drago- Drago's son. Oh, okay. Hmm. I don't know. That kind of sounds a little hokey, but all right. Um. So yeah, original score. Uh, I can tell you that um, I've listened to everything except three billboards. I can't really recall the score for that one. Uh, I think Johnny Greenwood should win the Oscar for this one. I picked Star Wars because it's the only one I saw. Yeah, all right. Uh, Dunkirk has an awesome score by Hans Zimmer. And The Shape of Water is a beautiful one by Alexander Desplat. So any one of these can win. Um, I would not be opposed. But I think Johnny Greenwood, Johnny Greenwood is my pick for Phantom Thread. Uh, original song... Original song, we have Mighty Mighty River from Mudbound with Mary J. Blige. Sure, she murdered it. I haven't heard it. Oh, yeah. Mary J. Blige is a powerful singer. Yeah, she is. Uh, Mystery of Love by Sufjan Stevens from Call Me By Your Name. Remember Me from Coco. I picked that one because it made me realize that Victor Strong... It actually didn't make me realize. It reminded me that Victor strongly needs to do some push-ups. I do push-ups, man. Um, I can I'll push up you. I'll tell you that. Whatever, man. I I, I, I bet not. Really? Um, Are we gonna have to make this a code extra? No, no, no. We don't have we don't have to do that because uh, I don't want to embarrass you. Oh, uh, we have the, really? Yeah, we have two. Okay, two... no, we're gonna have to make this a code extra then. Nah, nah, nah. We have uh, two more nominations for original song. Uh, Stand up for something from Marshall, from Diane Warren, and Common, and this is me from The Greatest Showman, written uh, written by Ben Pasek and Justin Paul. Uh, Remember Me is gonna take this one. 
uh, because if you if you've seen Coco and you listen to that song, remember me. If you don't shed tears, you have a heart of stone. In fact, you have no heart at all. Coming from somebody who wants to see kids cry in Infinity Wars. Yes, I do. All right, then. So you have a heart of stone. No, I don't. Yes, you, you do. No, I don't. Um, and then lastly, we have a visual effects for the Oscars. We have Blade Runner 2049, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> Suck it. Wait. Two Marvel nominations, John Aponic. Suck it. That's right. Um, even though Guardians 2 was trash. Um, uh, Kong, Skull Island, which I hear was good. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and what's going to be the clear winner, War for the Planet of the Apes. I chose I told Star Wars on that. Nah, if you've seen the if you've seen War for the Planet of the Apes, the visual effects there, it's the clear winner. Has to be. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, those are the nom- the major nominations for the the ninetieth Academy Awards. I've not seen Coco and really not interested. Me neither. Don't feel bad, Eddie. Oh, man, y- y'all missing out. Y'all missing out, man. It's 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 emotional. It's beautiful. I love it. It. it... I'll probably fall asleep. Fuck you. Kiss my ass, man. <laughs> Kiss my ass. I mean, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to present some good art, some good art to you. And it's like pearls before a swine. Well, I'm going to fall asleep on <laughs> they it. Won't jo- they won't join Suicide Squad as a winner. That's where it matters. Yo, he is a straight up apologist. <laughs> I'm telling like, you. He's a, but you know what? I, you know, I respect your loyalty, but Jesus Christ, John, like, mm. shit was garbage. It was. Um, like I said, uh, uh, John, he's just, he's just bitter because, you know, he doesn't know what it feels like as a, D- as a DC watcher to have consistently good films trotted out one after another, you know, even though Marvel has some, you know, some stumbles here and there. Stumbles, yeah. But John Hapon, he doesn't know what it's like to have consistent quality like, like we do, Great. you know? And, and, I fe- and, I, and I, you know, I, I pity you, John. I I I I understand your saltiness. And I, I want John you. to come on the show. I do too. We will make it happen. We got to make day. it happen. Yes, yes. And then you can come on the show and justify your apol- apologia for DC for the DC extended universe, which is going to be rebooted, by the way. Is that even a real word? Apologia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, apologia. That's how it's pronounced. Oh, okay. Yeah, your DC EU ap- 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 apologia. Yes. Yes, you're gonna have to come on this show and justify it. And by or the debate. way, debate or debate, which I'm gonna or win. Debate. Yeah. And by the way, John, the DCEU is getting rebooted, so you might as well get on the Marvel horse, pal. I'm sorry. We are grouped. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the complete Oscar nominations. There. Um, real quick, I will say I was very surprised and a little disappointed that Wonder Woman was completely snubbed. Just saying. It's a DCEU. Suck it, John. Yeah, I mean the fact that Wonder Woman. Yeah, I, I know you like it, but yeah, <laughs> I know the fact that Wonder Woman got snubbed and then Suicide Squad got an Oscar nomination that kind of disappoints me. That is. But whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I think we can skip a couple of these headlines real quick. Um, I'll skip. Let me see. I'll skip this one. I'll skip this one. Uh, real quick, um, real quick headline here. John Cena, still doing the acting thing, he is in talks to star in a Duke Nukem film. Oh, well, okay. John Cena, video game movie. You shouldn't even, there was no need, no need for you to even like read the damn headline. Yeah. Du- no, there's already two, mo- two formulas where it's going to mess up. 
mm. where that is going that's destined to flop. I mean, John Cena as Duke Nukem. I mean, hopefully this movie won't take as long as Duke Nukem Forever to come out. No, it's just he just has the look. He he has a he has a flat he has a flap top and muscles. Yeah, and that's probably the only person they thought of to say huh, John Cena. He can do it. I mean, I could see John Cena uttering the line, "I've got balls of steel." I literally just heard it, and I was just like, eh. "Yeah, Duke Nukem's like I'm not gonna." Go- I'm not gonna go ahead and go ahead and pay money to watch it. Yeah, Suicide Squad lower than BVS for me, and lower than Killing Joe, and that and that fell flat for me. Dark Knights one and two, and Return of the Joker better for the better than the Killing Joe. It was overhyped in the rating, the R rating. Hmm. Okay, Nick. Yeah, Nick, you need to get on the show too. Yeah, why not? And uh, and lastly, before we get into our uh, worst of uh, 2017, um, and what a segue this is, unfortunately. Um, this is actually a very, a quite a serious headline. So, um, you know, yeah, just keeping that out there. Uh, Enzo Amore, he has officially been fired by the WWE amidst a rape, a serious rape accusation. Uh, this announcement comes 24 hours after a Twitter user who goes by uh, Miss Gucci Witch on Twitter and uh, Philomena on Snapchat. Have you? Did you see her? I've seen one photo. I seen two. I seen a couple. I went into her. I went into her. Uh, I went into her Twitter because I got curious. Yeah. So I'm skeptical. Well, hold that thought. Uh, let I'm me, very let me... skeptical. Uh, let's, I'll uh, just leave it at. I can just leave it at that. I'm very skeptical. Go on her Twitter feed. Go on her Twitter feed and see see what it's about. As a matter of fact, when I checked it, she has like 200 followers. Okay. Um, I'm actually getting ready to check her Twitter right now. Okay. Just to see, just to see if she if her followers increase because of that. Okay. Uh, well, let me uh, read ahead, the headline read. here. Um, so Enzo has been fired by the WWE. Uh, this announcement comes 24 hours after Philomena uh, posted details of her encounter with Amore, in which she alleges that the now former WWE star raped her last October. Uh, Philomena also implicated two other individuals by name, uh, fashion designers Tyler Grosso and a woman named Layla Shapiro, who the Twitter user, uh, who Philomena claims, let Enzo rape her after being present in their hotel room. Uh, Philomena also confirmed with the website Fightful that she went to went to the doctors on October 20th, uh, then had a rape kit performed and filed a, a police report on October 23rd, 2017. Uh, she also stated that she admitted to, admitted herself to a mental hospital for 45 days following the incident. Uh, no charges have been filed so far at this time. Now, uh, WWE initially suspended Amore indefinitely following the accusation, stating their zero-tolerance policy on matters of sexual assault and sexual harassment. However, on WWE.com, the company revealed today that they have outright released Enzo, only writing, quote, WWE has come to terms with the release of Eric Ardent, Enzo Amore. She gained 2,666 followers. Okay. Within a day. I think the reason why I'm skeptical, maybe because I'm ju- I'm judging a book by its cover, and like the thing she has a private Snapchat, mm-hmm. and when people have private Snapchats, is usually like just putting themselves out there. Okay. 
it, it just seems like she's just trying to she's taking taking advantage of the whole hashtag me too movement mm. and trying to cash in okay so i mean um well that's why i'm so that's why i'm skeptical okay yeah um i know that this is it's a it's a damning accusation and um until 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 it's until it's well un- until the 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 results of that rape kit test have uh, are released but still like you, know, you can still you're still going to be guilty in a court of public opinion oh yeah for sure like even 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 if uh Enzo Amore is found ultimately like uh, not guilty uh, so to speak on on the on that uh, accusation yeah his public persona is pretty much uh, tainted but with that said um okay yeah with that said um <laughs> I will say that uh, Enzo Amore has never been, he's always, you know, his public persona, you know, he's always been kind of a douchebag, like on camera and off camera. So, you know, I mean, that's all I'll say on that matter. Like, well, I mean, all the, let's, let's, let's see all the, all the facts come to light, you know, as this story develops, but uh, Enzo Amore being fired. um, Well, I'd say that is the right call from WWE, at least in my opinion. Yeah, especially like with WrestleMania coming up, like they don't want nothing to like. Yeah, cause, yeah, we're as, as of Sunday, the road to WrestleMania starts. They don't want nothing to like. They don't want any type of blemishes coming out whatsoever. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. So. So yeah. So yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the, it. So yeah, that's the that's the headline. That's that's it for those are for the news and headlines and um, segueing awkwardly into. <laughs> Uh, our worst worst things of uh, 2017. So we, after this, we'll leave 2017 officially on the back burner. But um, but yeah, we'll be covering some of some of the, some things like of last year, like in whether it's movies, wrestling, pop culture, whatever that you know kind of disappointed us or yeah. we weren't feeling to say the least. So we'll go. We'll kind of go back and forth, and we'll start off with you, Carl. What you got for us? Uh, for to worst start thing? off, um, even though it was just okay, I have to dive into the superhero movie realm. Okay. Justice League, dude. Yeah, Justice League was trash. I, I say it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, I didn't love it. Yeah, but I didn't hate it. But it's just like, I'm, they're like, you see, you guys are getting your ass kicked. You had Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Like, hopefully, you know, you got, you have, you know, these extra superheroes that you're bringing in a little too soon. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you got something here, but it just still couldn't quite. Del- it couldn't deliver. Mm-hmm. At least to me, you know, to me that is. And then, not to mention Superman. Superman's mouth was just awful. Yeah, the uh, CG upper lip. Yeah, the CG upper lip. It looked like the Rock and Scorpion King. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it did. Yeah, that was that was pretty awful. Like Mortal Kombat the CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, Justice League. Like we we reviewed it. We reviewed it in detail on episode one hundred. Um. I will say that. Uh. This is a this is a film that was definitely done by committee, and it was done rather haphazardly. Um. You can see the the styles clash between Sack Snyder, Snyder's vision and Josh Whedon's. Right. And this is a clear sign that um. You know, and W and Warner Brothers and DC has admitted it. They're gonna work towards rebooting the entire DCEU, especially Flashpoint. With, the, with Flashpoint. So, you know, John John Hapana can defend this movie all he wants, but um, I'm sorry, John. Justice League doesn't work. 
this is the this is the this is the this Justice League is the reason why we're gonna get a rebooted DCEU. I'm sorry. He says so. Justice League was worse than Medea Boo or Medea Halloween too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have not. Me I, neither. I haven't seen. I haven't even seen the first one. I will say that Justice League is probably the uh, Tyler Perry Boo Medea Halloween two of the DCEU and comics comic films in general. I yeah. would give it comic films in general. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So what you got? What's first on your list? Uh, first on my list, um, this we're going into. Um, well, since you're mentioning uh, comic book films, I'm, I have to. I have a comic book film of my own, and yes, John will probably be very pleased to hear this. Guardians of the Galaxy That's Volume so Two. I had fun watching it. So. Um, I, I can see. I can see why people say it's fun, but um, ultimately, I felt it was just. Uh, it was a letdown. It was a film that you know gave you more of what you thought you wanted by upping all the cornball jokes and quips. The storyline was inconsequential. Um, and and they were shoving Baby Groot in your throat like, buy, buy, buy Baby Groot merchandise. Yeah. Buy yeah, it. They definitely, buy they definitely was doing that. But um, and I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the jokes. It was a fun movie to me. It was just like, it was one of those things where you didn't really need to take it entirely too seriously. I mean, yeah, it does fall into the MCU and all that. Mm-hmm. Gee, all this DCU talk almost said that. I almost insulted Marvel. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, it, it was just one of those like, all right, you know, Guardians 2, we're going to, we're going to, it'll be a separate story. Mm-hmm. That's in the MCU, but it's just let's let's just have some let's have some fun with this one, mm-hmm. and then they did. Um, they had you know they had some great moments. Uh, Taserface was still hilarious. Who's played by I forget his real name, but mm-hmm. he's Toby and This Is Us. Okay, yeah. So um, uh, yeah, that whole Taserface scene and what got me amped was it's like oh my god, they're actually gonna like bring in Adam Warlock into the MCU. Yeah. I don't know how that's gonna happen. I'm still curious, like who could they, who could play him. Mm-hmm. But it's like they, you know, but you know the whole Kurt um Kurt Russell yeah being Star Lord's um father yeah um ego ego yes thank yep. you and um you know the, you got to you got to know Gamora a little more mm-hmm. like the relationship between Gamora and Nebula yeah so I mean and there was. Yeah, there was some you know there was some perks to I wouldn't say to not to trash the movie, but it was like, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't consider it a Marvel hit. No, it wouldn't be a hit. It's probably mediocre. It is. Or it's mediocre. Mm-hmm. Like I've never seen a bad MCU movie. Yeah, I mean, I will say like we'll get to the shows in a bit. Yeah, but I've never seen a bad MCU movie. They're mm-hmm. mediocre at worst. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, like the most mediocre. Like if you're talking about like the worst out of all the MCU films, I would go with Thor: The Dark World. I'm still, well, I'm still working on my Marvel back to back, my yeah. MCU back to back. So yeah. I'll get to that eventually. Yep. Yeah. So that's how I feel about Guardians. I'm actually kind of behind because I gotta find a copy. I gotta get a copy of Iron Man too. Nah, you don't. I think it's on. Ne- it's I'm- not on Netflix. Oh damn. Yeah, or Hulu. Ugh. Just, just rent it. Just go to the library and find a copy. Probably would. <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what you got next on your list for worst of? I defended it at first, but then over time, I came to I came to conclusion like this shit was whack. Mm-hmm. Iron Fist on That's Netflix. Right. Yes, Iron Fist is trash. What kept what held, what held my faith 
to like watch it was because I really didn't know I wasn't too familiar with the character. So this was my chance to actually say, hey, you know, let's let me get to know the character. Um I usually like to try I like to see the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So I would say Iron Fist with with the way they did it, there's hope for the future because they they got a whole new team for it. Mm-hmm. Um but he's I saw improvement in defenders. He's a much better supporting character yeah. than he is a than he is a star character. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's what I'm gonna go with. But mm-hmm. as himself, as for himself, and the hands just seemed a little too weak. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's hope, you know, with uh, the new Daredevil, with the new seasons coming up, that Wilson Fisk teams up with the hand, mm-hmm. and that would just like that would I would say that would up the hand stock a little bit in the yeah. Marvel Netflix series. Hmm. Yeah, that would be an in- interesting direction for sure. Give them purpose. Yeah, because, I mean, they have crossed paths before with Madame Gao and Wilson Fist and, um, yeah. and Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Iron Fist um, wasn't a hit for me. Um, no. uh, three episodes and I couldn't I couldn't finish it, man. I did the, I did the whole thing. Yeah. Knocked it out in one weekend. Yeah, good, good for you, man. I ain't have shit to do that weekend. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll say like perhaps one of the worst movies I've seen was on Netflix, and it was Death Note. Harry, that was bad. Yeah, which I reviewed on the podcast. You did. Yeah, Death Note was absolutely horrible. Um, just a a complete mockery of the uh, of the great anime, which is also available on Netflix. Just watch the thirty six episode anime. Perfect binge binge watching material. This movie though was just it was just butt. This Death Note was the movie was butt, just just hairy just hairy what are you, well? just hairy stanky butt. Okay, that's my review of Death I, Note. There we go. Yeah. All right, I'll I'll, I'll come back. Mm-hmm. Inhumans. Oh, that's too oh, bad. Oh, that was bad. I actually went to the i I went to IMAX to watch the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, eh, I wanted to say something good, mm-hmm. but it was like, you know what? I had to, I left the theater and I just said to myself, "Am I really gonna watch this? Am I really gonna stay in on a Friday night mm-hmm. and watch this?" <laughs> I still haven't. Yeah. If and it got canceled. Wow. And you know, 14 <laughs> people who did watch it tried to petition for a new, for a new season. Wow. Yeah. No. And no, I did not get a refund. Damn. I already canceled. Yeah. That's... I mean, Agent Carter only lasted two seasons. Yeah. But like, I guess Agent Carter, you weren't really, I didn't think she really needed a ongoing series. Hmm. Cause it kind of kicked her. She kind of came full circle, like in Civil War when she finally died. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, she she had a proper ending at least. Um, okay, so for me, uh, for one of the worst of 2017, this is getting into the wrestling world. Uh-huh. My absolute worst of 2017 was Jinder Mahal. As, oh man, as WWE champion. Yes. Um, yeah. 
incidentally, if you for those who are familiar with the web, website wrestlecrap.com, Jinder Mahal also won their 20 his the 2017 Gooker Gobbledygooker Award <laughs> for worst of uh, 2017. Uh Jinder Mahal was horrible was the worst in WWE for several reasons. One, before he won the championship, he never held a WWE title of any kind. He never won a pay-per-view match. He was once tapped out by the Brooklyn Brawler. And he once lost to El Torito clean. Um, and he was a jobber to the stars and scrubs. Never really won any matches when he was on TV. Then Jinder disappears. And then he returns with this brand new jacked up veiny physique. 3D you know, nipples. Shout out to Edmund for that one. <laughs> yep. With full of the fatty deposits, which I'm sure was 100% on the level, you know, and without any sort of <clears throat> enhancements, allegedly. Um, you know, but 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 then but then when you have a bunch of acne on your back and your chest and fatty fatty growths on your pectorals, are you are you really gonna tell us that oh it's all workouts and, and a diet? Are you are you really are you really gonna insult our intelligence? Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, and then and then and then he had the nerve to, to give Finn Balor a concussion on Monday night on their match on Raw before he was drafted to SmackDown. And so Jinder Mahal, the reason why he was so bad, like his whole run as champion, came out of nowhere. Right. He was. He did it for shock value. For strictly for shock value, and it was a cynical ploy to court the Indian market. And is that still failed? And it failed because the Indian market didn't. Could they couldn't care less about Jinder Mahal? Case in point, the very arena that they had their India shows on in the fall, mm-hmm. in that same arena, they actually sold out two years prior. And then when Jinder Mahal came without the belt because AJ Styles rescued it from him. <laughs> The fans didn't care, and then Jinder Mahal ends the year and ends his 2017 without the belt. Thank goodness, and he loses any jobs out, and he's and he's jobbing to Triple H in a nothing house match, house show match. And 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 then when you think about it, look at Jinder Mahal's run. What what? Tell me exactly what was his character? You can't really describe his character. Hey, Indian aristocrat. Not even. It's like he was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Canada. <laughs> right? And then also, you know, his he he cut the exact same promo every single week. It's like, oh, I'm Jinder Mahal, and I I I will speak to my people in Punjabi. I represent the pride of 1.3 billion Indian people, and I am the champion. <coughs> please, please. Terrible promos, terrible matches. Shinsuke Nakamura, one of the very best athletes on the planet Earth in professional wrestling, could not carry Jinder Mahal to a watchable match. And then you have Shinsuke Nakamura, and that's another one of my worst of. Yeah, he freaking lost cleanly to him with that yeah. god awful move the collapse yeah which is like a, a cobra cut clutch slam which looks terrible by the way shinsuke nakamura had to sell that abortion of a move twice in two consecutive pay-per-views and it amounted to nothing and um, jinder mahal the fifth the 50th man to, to become wwe champion had one of the most had no the most irrelevant championship run in that belt's history. And yes, I am including The Miz. And then on top of that, on top of that, right, what is Jinder Mahal doing now? Nothing. Nothing. He's in the U.S. title 
Well, he's in the U.S. title hunt, but but that's and and that's where he belongs. If he was, yeah, if he was growing, because I think he was making a, he was becoming a good heel because everybody really hated him that much. Well, they not because he was a good heel, because it was simply awful. <laughs> and, so it's like it was to the point where he was putting people over. I think he would have he would had a chance to like grow into a mid card level, and then that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's it. it. I, I, I agree. That, that, that's it. That's his ceiling. That's his peak. Yeah, and it should have been the mid card, like, and also like all of his matches as WWE champion, he never won any of his matches clean, clean. No. always with the Singh brothers, which made him more of a joke than he already was. So yeah, Jinder Mahal, absolutely the worst uh, of t- 2017 in WWE. May we never see a, a, a BS reign like that ever again. I, I would, I would rather see, I would rather see an Okada length Roman Reigns run for the WWE Championship. I'd rather see Roman Reigns hold that championship for. For 500 days straight, than see another Jinder Mahal championship run of any kind. I may have to send that. Okay, I'm gonna see it. Adrian, Adrian, he has to hear this before he has to hear this next before he comes back next week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, moving on. The solar eclipse of August 21st. I was actually looking forward to actually finally seeing one, mm-hmm. and it was cloudy that day. I was pissed. Yeah. We didn't really get get much of the eclipse. Here we couldn't on. get we you was you would have been able to see it, but it was just it was cloudy. Oh yeah, that was really that was very disappointing. Mm. Like I'm sitting there googling ways because I didn't have I didn't get the notice of the eclipse in time to order the glasses. So mm. I'm like they're saying, oh, just uh, put your put your camera phone on selfie mode and you'll be able to see it then. Nope, just saw clouds. Yeah, <laughs> everybody else got it, but not me, not us. Yeah. And for those of you who actually looked at the solar eclipse without any protective eyewear, shame on y'all. You couldn't see shit anyways. It was freaking it was cloudy. Well, no, for those I who, actually did. No, for those who were able to see it like oh, in other okay. other parts like, of the country. I did. I looked right at it. I'm like, there's nothing. Yeah. Oh, I see what you crossed out. I won't say anything though. <laughs> oh, the Ezekiel Elliott suspension, because you know, I didn't want to run I I didn't want to over time yeah i'm highly pissed off at the ezekiel elliott suspension it's basically because roger goodell tried to cover up how badly he handled the ray rice situation Mm. but yeah yeah oh um yes i agree eddie ortiz and i wanted i crossed that out to ed trump i don't i don't want to get into politics you know stay politics free we stay politics free yeah to get into it um yeah i'll have to it's it's been bigly. His presidential run has been bigly awful. It's bigly it's tremendous. It's, you know what? Let me tell you something right now. It's, water. Um, it's, uh, a, it, it's uh, an island surrounded by water. Big water. It's a goddamn embarrassment. Ocean water. You know, yes. I don't even remember what that was about. I just remember just that. Uh, I'm just like, really? Yes, I know what it, we know what an island is. Yeah, he was talking about Puerto Rico. Uh, um, yeah, uh, yes, yes, Eddie, I agree. Trump, enough said. I don't have to say anything more than that. You know, what? I'm gonna say a little. I'm gonna God say a little something it. more. You know what? The American people. I, I like this country. I'm proud to be a citizen. I'm proud to be to be a voter. Midterm elections are so 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 important. 2018. Put your money where your mouth is. 
don't just sit home and complain about this unfit, morally bankrupt, ethically bankrupt so-called commander-in-chief. Vote the orange bum out of office. What? Celebrity-in-chief. Yeah, celebrity-in-chief, WWE Hall of Famer. Vote the bum and all the bums that support him out of office in the midterms this year. Or if you or 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 if you want to sit home and you want to complain about this shit rather than do your civic duty of voting for the right people who actually are competent and know what they're doing, then you have no right to complain. You alright? Yeah, I'm okay. Sure. I'm I'm sure. I'm you sure. You wanna throw a chair? I I I I do. I do, but um I'm I'm keeping my composure. All right, please. But just 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 the mention of his name just turns me into the Hulk, man. Yeah, I know. All right, yeah, hey, Eddie. Hashtag kill Satan, beat Satan, and that's all I'm saying. Um, yeah. Next, moving on. What's your what's your uh, worst of? Uh, worst of. Uh, continuing in the wrestling world. Okay. Uh, Bray Wyatt. Uh, as uh, as a Sol- as Jason Solomon of the Solid Monster Sounds Off Wrestling Podcast would say, he is the eater of pins. Uh, Bray Wyatt just for the horrible House of Horrors match at WWE Payback. Was that this year? It was. It was last year. Last year. Oh. Yeah. For oh, for not only yeah. the match took place at nighttime, but it was daytime at the arena in that, San Jose. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was awful. But you know what? The cinematography was actually pretty. It was very well shot. <laughs> For a wrestling thing. For a wrestling yeah. match, it, it was, was very well shot. It this was. A very, pretty good cinematography there. Yeah. But kudos to the WWE <laughs> production crew. Yeah. I mean, they... they that tra- was so bad, I just got... You got to laugh. I know. I mean... You got to laugh. Um, yeah. Uh, they, tr- they, tried to, they tried to shine the turd. They did the best they could. They did. Um, not only that, uh, Bray Wyatt's transitional WWE championship reign... Uh, and his feud with Finn Balor, which would have ended in a Sister Abigail cosplay, but thankfully to meningitis, that never happened. So, you know, we were spared that sight. Uh, so yeah, um, Bray Wyatt, he's he's all microphone skills, and that's all. Okay. I I don't care about him anymore. I'm sorry. All right, my I'm going into the wrestling world. Um, the Undertaker being retired by Roman Reigns. Now, the send-off, beautiful. I still believe that he should have retired with the streak. Yeah. Um, I thought he should have left at end of an era with Triple H because mo- the, the match was fire. Mm-hmm. The send-off was great. Yep. He still had the streak, mm-hmm. and that would have been it. Yeah. But, you know... As we as we all know, the streak ended with Brock Lesnar and then Roman Reigns, like of, of somebody who did not need the rub. Mm-hmm. He, I just don't think he. I, I just don't think he was the guy to do it. Yeah, I I agree. I still, I still don't believe that. If anybody could could have done it, yes, the match would have been ten years too late. But Sting. Yeah, but that's like a be careful what you wish for scenario. No, it's ten years too. Trust me, yeah. it was like it's ten years too late. But Sting. Mm-hmm. Or. Yeah, well, speaking of people who don't need that rub, I was gonna say John Cena, but no, he definitely doesn't nah. need it. Yeah, Cena's like just chilling now. Oh yeah, he is. He's just an institution in and of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I will agree with the uh, with the uh, uh, Roman Reigns being the one to retire the Undertaker. You agree with it? 
No, I, I agree with, with you putting that on oh. your worst list. Oh, okay. Um, because Undertaker, you know, he could have been retired by... He could have. He should have retired way earlier. I mean, with the streak being broken, or like his match against CM Punk. I think his match against CM that Punk was would good. have been. That it, was a good. That was a good match too. Yeah, it I, showed that like he still got it, but he yeah, just did, he, well, it showed that he still got it, but he didn't need it. Right. I don't think he really needed it. But I think that that would have been the perfect time for Undertaker to retire because that's when Paul Bearer had unfortunately passed away. Yeah. And then when Undertaker salute, saluted the urn at the end, that that could have been the perfect that end of an era. That was a good send off too. But yeah. The perfect but end the of an thing era was, right it there. Was, but the thing about that is just that it was more about Paul Bearer and not about him. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That's why That's why I say the, the previous year with end of an era. Yeah. It would have it would have been just more about all three of those guys. Yeah, true. You know, yeah. it's like Triple H. He wrestles sporadically. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shawn Michaels has been gone. Yep. And Undertaker just would have went out then. Like he would have. It still would have been cool to share that moment and him being retired. He it would overshadow it just a bit. Yeah. But yet he, um, I don't know. Just the the moment would have been much better. Mm. Hey, yeah. yeah, that's 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 fair. So yeah. Go ahead. What's um, your next one? Uh, my next one is uh, the uh, the WWE Cruiserweight Division uh, and, sp- okay. and 205 Live. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So how do you? So in 2016, you had the excellence of the WWE Cruiserweight Classic Tournament, mm-hmm. and then Vince McMahon got his hands on on the division when he transitioned to the main roster with no fanfare, no build up for any of these athletes. So the main the mainstream audience didn't know who any of these talented athletes were. You fast forward to Neville uh, being champion, giving the d- division some prestige and credibility, but then he loses to that fucking human trash can, Enzo Amore, who further diminishes the championship by becoming a two-time champion, and then 205 Live is is riddled with a bunch of meaningless six-man tags or two-man tag team matches, uh, athletes that, uh, competitors that really go nowhere. Um, I don't care about any of these athletes, and that's and it's sad to say. I want to cheer for Cedric Alexander. I want to cheer for Drew Gulak, Hideo, Hideo Itami, and others. Rich Swan, but oh. but well, yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean. But but two hundred five live does not give me any reason to care about these athletes because their matches are meaningless. The storylines, such as they are, are meaningless. They're treated as a second and third rate compared to the rest of the main roster. And if 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 you're a talented athlete, if you're a cruiserweight who's 205 pounds and under, you either have you're either forced to job to Enzo Amore, who's a terrible wrestler, or you know you you have your you have your momentum cut from underneath you. Yeah, it's they a, it's have, they it's have a, the ta- they have the talent. They're just poorly booked. Yeah, it's a. They death need sentence. to. They literally need to let the let the cruiserweights do their thing. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, you're I'm, well. You're, I'm, my feet's uh, my feet was a bit off of my computer. Yeah. But yeah, they um they need to let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. And then just like oh, they kind of need to do what they need to do what WCW did with their cruiserweights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like intermittent. Like I don't think the crew. If the crew, if you were gonna give the cruiserweights a show, put it on Thursdays instead of, um, instead of Tuesdays. Yeah, like when the SmackDown audience is just tired and want to yeah. go home. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the cruiserweight division. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mine. Uh, my next one. Tyrese. Uh. <laughs> Ty Tyrese, dude. I just want my baby. Oh my god, he just he just embarrassed himself this year, and he mm. tried to make excuses for the whole 
saying that he was on medication, saying that like he there was some um horrible allegations against him. Mm-hmm. So he goes on Instagram live and just goes off just crying, claims that he that Will and Smith will um Will Smith and Jada was gonna like lend him like three million dollars because he's going broke. Mm-hmm. He was taking shots at the rock because the rock decided to pick up a movie with um a st- uh spin uh Fast and Furious spinoff with Jason Statham. Yeah. So he's like, Oh, Fast and Furious is about family and all that, but it's like everybody was everybody was gonna get a spinoff soon. Yeah. Sooner or later. His he has the momentum right at the time. So, you know, why not? Mm. But like just him, you're embarrassing yourself, dude. Mm. And now all of a sudden, you're the new. I mean, the Jordan crying face is still holding its own, but you use them. Use the crying face meme. Yeah, of 2017. Yeah, I put my face on it for certain situations. I put a Jordan crying face meme on myself. Mm-hmm. I made myself a Tyrese one too <laughs> for certain situations. Yeah. What more do you, you want, want from, from me? me? <laughs> oh, man. I will say that his crying rant did give us a really good Baltimore Club remix on YouTube. Sure did. <laughs> um, yeah, and for me, my last uh, my last worst of 2017, still in the wrestling world. And this, one, this one's kind of a, a tie. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura becoming just yet another face in the ma- on the main roster. Uh, when he was on NXT, he was booked to be a rock star. Like he was booked to be the cal- the athlete of his caliber. Two time NXT champion, matches of the year. He was awesome. When when he sh- when then when he went went up to the main roster, he was just another face, and like he was just nothing more but an entrance. His and time's really- gonna come. I I I'm, I have faith that his time's gonna come, and he's like I, I'm really because they're because Triple H listens to the fans. He hears that they want that because they they tease us a lot whenever like him and AJ are like in the same room. Mm -hmm. They kind of do some type of stare down or they kind of reference their past matches and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're going to give it to us. They would, but it's indicative of how mediocre and how uh, like autopilot their booking is because like they could they could they could build Nakamura as like the the big deal that he is, but it's like they're like they're just like holding off on it, holding off on it, holding off on it until that big WrestleMania payoff that we that we might might get with AJ Styles, but there's a danger in that booking because a it shows that it was as I feared. Vince McMahon would not know what to do with an athlete like Nakamura, as unique as Nakamura, and it showed. Also, it shows that by the time Nakamura gets to that the the, the pinnacle, I'm gonna stop caring, and and it's sad. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that, but that's how Vincent Man books his his, his uh, talent. And also, the other half of that tie is Bobby Roode. Bobby Roode not being booked to be the heel that he was on NXT, instead being booked as a bland babyface on on SmackDown. You know, you know what it is? it's that it's that theme song. I know. Everybody just loves it too much. <laughs> It's yeah. the theme song and it's the entrance. It's like people want to see Bobby Root. Like people who weren't really weren't familiar with with him in NXT, they they want to see him just because of the entrance. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like it's the same problem with Nakamura. It's like you boiled those two great athletes to a, to an awesome entrance, and everything else is bland. And yeah, I still love that. I still love that theme song. Yeah, it's a good interest. Good, great interest theme. Yeah, but everything else about that, even though even though Bobby Root is the U.S. champion now. It's like yeah, it's but I, I look at it as I look at it as something. Yeah, something that should be more, but it's something. 
Yeah, I'll agree. They can build off that, but will yeah. they? I don't know. Never know. Yeah. Um, I think I'm actually good now. Yeah. So that's so that's our worst of 2017 right there. Right, let me get on to question of the week. We had some pretty good responses. Okay. As your uh, feed spazzes out there. Yeah, again. <laughs> All right. So on Instagram, the, the um, question of the week was, who was your favorite underappreciated superhero? Um, if you look on our Instagram, I use both of our answers. Um, mine was the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. Yours was the Phantom. Yep. So, oh, a little... Okay. Mm-hmm. Jim Savard says, Victor. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Okay. I approve. Strongly right. approve. John Aponic says, Resurrection Man, who dies but each time comes back with the new with new memories and powers. Only lasted 24 to 26 issues. I also like Starman, Stargirl, Jubilee, and Aztec, the Ultimate Man. Hmm. Interesting. I haven't heard right. of any of those except Jubilee. Okay. Dollar Store Film on Twitter said, Powdered Toast Man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. That was a good one. That was such a good one. And for Facebook, I know it was Nick Quatrini. Let me just scroll into it. It's not that far back. Here we go. Nick Quatrini says... Nick Quatrini says Stargirl. He had more written to it, but it's just my phone's kind of acting up right now. So, um, yeah, he says Stargirl. Nice. So, this week... Name an actor that you hate because of a performance that he or she did in a film or TV and or TV show. Hmm. Yeah, that's a hard one for me. I mean, I don't really hate any actors based on one performance. Um, I'm gonna have to really think about that. Which what you got? Um, I would have to say for a while I hated Jack Gleason, who played Joffrey in Game of Thrones. Hmm. <laughs> And um, oh, what's his face who played? Um, shit, he was in Inhumans too, and in Game of Thrones. Oh, um, the guy who plays Ramsey Bolton. Yes, Ramsey Bolton. Yeah, um, yeah, those, yeah, those two actors can play super cunts really well. Yeah. You have to see. You have to really see this. You have to really see that. I'm shoot. What they put the stuff that they get away with on those shows. No, there's no other word. Ewan Rion? Yeah. Yep. I hope I'm saying his name right. Yep. And also Ron Cephas Jones because and from Pay to Fool because he he um kidnapped Mitch's brother and killed him and uh, had no remorse for it. Hmm. But now he kind of redeemed himself as William and and this is us. Mm-hmm. And in and his character in Luke Cage. Okay. And also the guy who killed Ricky, like he also killed somebody else too. I'm just like, yo, I do not trust him at all. But I think he actually died, so let me stop. Oh, wow. let me just scratch him off. Then. <laughs> um, man, I, I I'll have to go with the recent one, and I've said this before. Uh, Will Poulter in Detroit. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I've said my piece on it. If you've seen that movie, if you haven't seen that movie, go watch that movie and watch Will Poulter in Detroit, and you'll understand why. 
that. He was so funny. He because uh, he was so funny in in We Are the Millers. <laughs> he doesn't sing Did no. You? He doesn't sing no TLC songs in Detroit. <laughs> I haven't right. seen that. I haven't seen the uh, Were the Millers though. You haven't? Nah. Yeah, oh my god. He'll probably be redeem he'll probably redeem you from there. All right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's uh that's our question of the week. Um that'll be posted up uh within a day or two on our social medias. Um thanks for tuning in. Uh you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, iTunes. Please leave us a five star review. Google Play, mm-hmm. SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Am I missing anything? Did you mention iTunes? Yes, I did. Yeah, I think that's everything. YouTube? Yes, I did. Yeah, you mentioned everything. All right. Like, subscribe, share. Mm-hmm. Do it all. Yeah, man. Indeed. And Oh, uh, and email us at, G- at codexprimepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. And once again, we thank you all for tuning in. And uh, be sure to tune in next week. We're going to be talking about the Royal Rumble. Yeah, and, and there's an NXT TakeOver yep. Philly as well. Yep. Um, NXT TakeOver Philly. And everybody's favorite, Adrian Price, will be back. Yes, he'll be back to t- for more wrestle- wrestling talk. Yes. And uh, I guess... Possibly we- another debate. Uh, nah, but they'll probably be... It'll lead to a debate. No, they'll probably be more Roman Reigns cheerleading on his part um, because, because, well, you know, hey. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. Um, like, as you say, he's an apologist. Well, as, as as I'll say, my final word on this is that, you know, Roman Reigns, he's not a bad guy. He's not a good guy. He's a guy. And with that, we will catch you on the flip. Peace out, nerds. Later.